everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show. I'm Ben Hansen, and this is a place about games. Friends getting better are joined by... Oh my god, where do I start? Uh, Jeff Cork. Hello. Welcome, Jeff Cork, former co-host of Better Quest. You know him, you love him, eh? Yeah, you, you got no choice. <laughs> <laughs> also joined by that cackling demon, Joe Juba. Oh, that's me. Hello. Uh, you know him from the deepest dive on... Obviously, Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade <laughs> Intermission <laughs> DLC. What? I was on Metroid Dread. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Welcome. Mass oh. Effect. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That was a big one. Uh, that was actually like a huge big thing. Um, if we sound different, it's because uh, recording this in the MinMax studio, it's a rare treat. So apologies for every ounce of breath being picked up by this microphone. Are you um, apologizing for us sounding so good? I think that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we sound so good today because... Of a very special guest, a special guest who likes to go by the name of former Game Informer intern Ben Reeves. Hello. <laughs> hey, I think we're four former Game Informers. <laughs> hey, that's oh. fun stuff. Uh, ben Reeves, welcome, dude. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I guess you're on Extra Life. I guess we uh-huh. spent like I guess the four of us spent way too many hours sitting in this basement <laughs> overnight. But the yeah. Max show, it feels different. It's a different vibe, right? Yeah. It's night and day. Yeah, because you don't record it. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I usually different. sit there, too, so that it's a whole different deal. It's throwing off a vibe. Uh, ben Reeves, thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks uh, for inviting me. What, what's going on? You're you no invited lo- me, right? Well, more or less. I showed up. <laughs> you didn't pull the JoJo move of just here. barging right into my house without <laughs> ringing a doorbell. That's Nary true. a doorbell from well, this To fella. be fair, your front door is saloon doors. Which, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, ben Reeves, you're no longer a Game Informer editor. That's right. After That's what fif- they keep telling me. After I'm like, you're 15 pay me, right? years. Yeah, more, yeah, 15 and a half-ish. Jesus, yeah, man. it's wild. Uh, so, I thought about that all weekend. I'm like, this just feels like a normal weekend because there hasn't been like that many days gone by yet. And mm-hmm. now it's been like four days since my last, since I last, you know, worked. Yeah, <laughs> played video games. Uh-huh. I was telling Ben, for me, it felt like it, it took a good like month of not being at GI anymore before it like felt like. That is not my job yeah. anymore. We're like, Joe, stop coming in. Yeah. We're yeah. not paying you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have like weird emotional flashes of just like, oh, I got to try and fix that camera's tripod. Then be like, oh, mm-hmm. no, I don't have to worry about any of that faulty equipment ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I can leave it all behind. There's just like weird feelings of like guilt. And it's like, oh, no, no, no that's right. It's, it's all gone. That's just kind of a door that has closed. Yeah. And now we get to just meet in a basement and harass each other. Someone games. wants to ignore that red underline in a headline. <laughs> More power to them. <laughs> that is a good point. There, in that month of like acclamation for me, there were definitely times when I would like reach out to Ben and Kim mm-hmm. and Matt Miller if mm-hmm. I saw like a tweet or a typo in a story and yeah. be like, you know, hey, just FYI, if it were me, I'd want to know. And then I'm just like, man, I need to get a life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Like looking at the YouTube channel in particular, it took so long. And like the Alex was doing a, uh, what is it called? Omen, Omen's job? What's the... Yeoman's job. Yeoman's? Yeoman's. Thank you. <laughs> a yeoman's job over there. Every once in a while, it's like, Top God, 10 yeoman's of the year. <laughs> they haven't, like, refreshed the playlist for the cover story. Like, all these little things. I would really be holding myself back. It's like every, unless it got really noticeable, then I'd send mm-hmm. them a quick text, and I'd feel like a real jackass about <laughs> it. Like, you don't know me, but... <laughs> <laughs> I know this is an unlisted block number, but... I'm a pretty big deal. Yeah, you forgot to pin a comment on this video about Halo Infinite on the YouTube channel, if you can just do that. Do you guys, uh, now that you are X, they were all XGI, when did the dreams start setting in? 
Because I, I don't think I've ever had a dream about Game Informer. But really? I worked at, at Quiznos before this 15 years ago for like a couple years. And I constantly have dreams about mm. Quiznos. Like going back into Quiznos. Like you got to make all these sandwiches. You got to clean up. So do you know. dream about Game Informer? I, after I don't think I've ever had a dream about GI. I've had yeah. countless dreams about retail. Like working those like all the time. And also the last week of college. And I realized that I am missing a class and I won't graduate. Or yeah. your pants. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it has a lot more. I think those kinds of dreams have a lot more to do with like the anxiety back in your lizard brain mm-hmm. and a lot less to do with just like, well, this is my life and what surrounds me. So it's what my brain is like making soup out of. Right? That's a dumb way to look about it. <laughs> I, I, think that I must think about Fred Meyer every day. <laughs> Hold on, did he call us lizards? He call, yeah. <laughs> He's big lizard people. Do you think it's just that, like, do you th- which job do you think was more stressful, though, Reeves? Quiznos or Game Informer overall? Probably well, I mean, Quiznos day to day, Overall, right? Quiznos for sure. Yeah. But, like, there were mm-hmm. stressful moments at GI, like when your cover stories mm-hmm. do or whatever. Yeah. I do. imagine at Quiznos, the person is telling you to your face that they are going to beat you up <laughs> versus... You'd never see this person, but they're going to kill you. Yeah. No, well, now that t- uh, Tim Turry doesn't work there, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Reeves, why did you leave Game Informer? Um, is he going with a joke, ladies and gentlemen? Flip <laughs> <laughs> the coin. <laughs> What's he going to say? Couldn't think of a good one. So Spin the wheel. Yeah, I'll just say uh, <laughs> it was time. <laughs> Wait, but you got another job. Well, the men in the suits showed up. And right, yeah, okay. right, right, right. Um, Yes, I got another job. I'm working at, well, not yet, but I will be next week, uh, starting at Firaxis as a narrative designer. Yes. Yay! That sounds very fancy. Is that um, is a writer a different position from narrative designer? Uh, well, in some studios, yeah, yes, but I don't know that Firaxis has it structured differently. I think they mm-hmm. just have narrative designers. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, very yeah, exciting. like writing the stuff in the game, writing the. I don't know the scenes like it, codex take, entries and yeah stuff like that say Ma- Mass Effect for example the dialogue scenes the codex entries all of it yeah mm-hmm. interesting yeah. well congratulations um, as a wise man once told you nice pull uh, oh, that yeah. that's a, that's a random guy from the airport thank you <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a complimentary story or embarrassing is it worth telling it could be both I mean, well no, now you have to well tell yeah it. it's a random well you have to tell it this was probably an E3 trip five years ago or something my wife dropped me off at the airport and she's like oh bye i love you honey we hugged and left and as i was walking into the airport some guy like came up beside me he was like was that your was that your wife i was like uh yeah i was like where's this going like who are you and he's like nice pull and then <laughs> give me a thumbs up i'm like okay i guess i'll take this compliment yeah. something about it still feels weird but yeah, <laughs> yeah cool yeah I, that is at what point is like your wife is very hot. <laughs> At what point is that like do you have to step in and like fight that person? Defend your wife's yeah. Yeah. being too honored. Shower, sir. <laughs> right. Hose them down. Also, what why would you ever do that to another person? Like uh, it is technically common, but it's like who are you that you would go up to somebody and be like, all right. Like, <laughs> like, isn't that weird? Yeah. I'd also be interested in the flip side of that, where it's like, is that your wife? <laughs> right, right, right. Buzz, your girlfriend. <laughs> no thanks. Uh, well, that's what I started doing. I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Fraxis is an awesome choice like you know oh, we, we went there back mm-hmm. for like, uh-huh. was it 2011 maybe for the XCOM cover ago, story? Yeah. Um, and it was like, I think... 
I think it's fair to say that's the friendliest studio I've ever visited. Really? I mean, oh, wow. you don't I mean, have to it's kiss their be, ass no, 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 no. I mean, I, who else would compare? Like, especially because the thing that stood out is just like so many people there had been there for so long. Mm-hmm. It's like that speaks for something here. And there's a studio with constant turnover. It's like, okay, maybe not the best, but I think like Bethesda, who knows what mm-hmm. it's actually like in there, but it's kind of a similar case where it's like a lot of those people have been there for so long. And for access, mm-hmm. like Jake Solomon has been there for... 3,800 years yeah, he's I mean, the night from yeah longer than I was at GI like yeah he's been there a long time and so yeah I did some research I was trying to like research and everybody there was saying like yeah they're pretty good with crunch which is something you know as a journalist you're like very aware of all these studios overworking right. their co-workers or right. their workers and so I didn't want to jump into that mm-hmm. uh, but it seems like Fraxis is one of the good studios there and then you know doing research on places like Glassdoor and stuff People seem to review them favorably. Favorably, yeah. so I'm excited. Ben, can I ask what? Can you talk about the game you're going to be working on at first? Uh, it's a little bit dicey. I don't. I don't think I'm supposed to. Talk <laughs> you can about just say that. no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. No. That. That. That's fine. That's but fine. it's. Yeah. It's a. Yeah. <clears throat> I, so then I can talk around that by saying I think that the first game you're working on is a. What? It's a good fit for your particular interests, yeah, right? Yeah, I'll say that. So there's that. But then also for Raxus, which is a studio that like Ben has been a fan of and has been playing those games for ever, yeah. giving them very and, high review scores. And yeah. Ben is just like a super talented writer, not only the kind of writing that like, uh, you know, that uh, listeners maybe or viewers may be familiar with of his, but also just like creative writing too. Mm-hmm. So this, I think, when Ben announced this, everyone... Uh, was like was so excited because it just seems like a perfect confluence of all of these things mm-hmm. that you're interested in. So I think that's just a great. Uh, that's why I think that's why we are all very pumped. About oh yeah, it. thanks. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, man, what would I'd, I can't think of something I'd be more excited about unless I was like at Insomniac writing a Spider-Man game or something, mm-hmm. or like Nintendo with Zelda. Or you something. got it's your like, dream job. Don't it, list jobs. That no, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying it's up there with that for me. Look, like, President of the United States is cool and all, but I, if you thought about the moon, I got 99 out of 100, but what if I got 100 out of 100? <laughs> well, that's why I'm there are nicer pulls. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't trying to say like those are better. I was trying to say like for, for context of like, sure. I'm as excited about this as I would be, you know, Nice save. Yeah. 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 How, Getting uh, my, my nice poll. Right, right. How are you feeling right now in general? Well, good, because I haven't had to do any work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, other than moving out of my house. But, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. I got sort of a pre-brief uh, earlier this week, and that was exciting to talk about stuff, that learn about stuff. Mm-hmm. And that Did I you write that up for too. Game Informer then? <laughs> yeah. okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> News story. Mm-hmm. Here's a lot. They locked me out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it was weird getting the emails like, oh, you no longer, this email no longer works. I, the, I would imagine that, like, it's easy, if you're like me, to get in your head about, like, you're writing stuff that's going to be enjoyed by mm-hmm. a large audience, which is not to say that, you know, GI didn't have readers and stuff but i think it's a lot different right yeah i i will say you could take some of the pressure off that people are going to skip about 90 percent of oh cool yeah i don't read archive entries in any don't even just run spell check and call it a day like seriously don't put any effort lorem ipsum all of that stuff (laughs) yeah no one's gonna know oh just say like oh i heard noises something scratching at the door <laughs> like ellipses, just type in like just transcribe my day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is all oh, the cat jumped on. All oh, the power went out. Yeah, why am I leaving this message? That's right. Yeah, it's funny when Ben talks about getting those emails and stuff. When that 
on on my last day, the image that kept popping into my head is that uh, Back to the Future shot when Marty mm. McFly is looking at his hand as he's sort of like fading away. Mm-hmm. And that's what you were doing as you're typing your goodbye uh, emails and everything? No, no, no. But that's that's just what it felt like as you start getting these notifications or whatever that's like, oh, suddenly you like can't log into Slack anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't oh, right. log into the, like you can't, you're not in the Discord. You're not in the, you don't have access to the video uh, mm-hmm. blog and stuff like that. I will like, say for all of us, it, with the exception of you, uh, we all left after like it was 100% remote. So there was not mm. a tearful goodbye, turn off the lights one last time, which emotionally I think I don't know if I could have handled that. Yeah. It was kind of a wreck. Yeah. It I got think- weirdly emotional. Yeah. Like even the last day, just like trying to write notes to people and like, hey, thanks. For- <laughs> That's a direct quote too. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, like, that was what I wrote. Exactly. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks. Thanks They're for like, the DM, buddy. Who is this? Yeah, God, yeah. I, I must have. It probably felt like I remember with my high school graduation photos, like mm-hmm. writing on the back of those. That was like the first time I think I've ever exploded emotionally in my life with you. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Why is this killing me? I'm like, goodbye, Callie. It was nice <laughs> being a biology class with you. And I was just crying for like hours. You had right? a huge crush on Callie though, right? Well, she was my first girlfriend. Ah. <laughs> Dear friend of the show. <laughs> well, I told uh, Reiner to have a good summer. So I think, <laughs> I think we're sweet. Yeah. Never, sweet. never change. Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you have like a... a <clears throat> You know, a goodbye in a morning meeting or something. There, it wasn't just all you yeah. sending a Slack message and then slipping out the door. Well, right? no, we did a Discord call, right? Well, so that was the weird thing. It's like I started getting the messages like you're no longer a moderator on Google, Game Informer's Google. Like before, I'd even had that goodbye. I was like, well, I'm glad I don't need to do anything there. It's like <laughs> the body's not even cold yet. I'm still technically posting things on the site, but all right. Uh, so yeah, we had a we had a Discord call around five on that last day, and then went out and got runions with a couple guys with oh, the Alexes that's and, mm. and yeah, so it's it was a wing fun. place here in Minneapolis. Yeah, Leo yeah. actually came out that night. Oh, I say Leo gets the invite. That's cool. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hey, Brian uh, <laughs> Brian Tylek uh, writes in. Uh, Twilight. Oh, do you like. want to go get wings? Yeah, man. Are you busy right now? Yeah. Last Friday. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Brian says, "Hey guys." <clears throat> that was my Brian impersonation. Hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I've always admired about all of you is that whenever someone leaves Game Informer, they don't just disappear into the ether, <laughs> unlike Joe's hand. <laughs> you always still remain friends with them or find a way to keep them in your lives somehow. So my question is, how do you do it? <laughs> is it just mm. the Minnesota way of life that you value those friendships so much? I assume this is Brian Vore. Who's yeah. It? <laughs> yeah, right. And why can't I be that? <laughs> right. I wish Please I was a picture of me. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting question. I assume a lot of people have fond memories about former places they work and you know yeah. keep in touch with folks. Yeah, I don't know. I to me it feels like when you have a when you have a job like writing about video games, there's like there's so much passion involved in that. And yeah. I think I think when you're in a bullpen like that, you are just surrounded with people who share a lot of those, a lot of similar passions to you, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that just you are more apt to grow close, especially at an outlet like GI where uh, like so many, like for so many years, the staff was generally static, you know, or yeah. if anything, they'd like mm-hmm. add people in. But there was not a lot of turnover there for a long time. Yeah. So I think that that all of that just helps build these relationships to the. And I and I said it before too. Like so much of that job, um, like I obviously enjoyed doing the work, but a huge part of why I enjoyed going to work was because of the people I was 
therewith. Mm-hmm. So when you take away the job part of it, you're still not taking away the fact that like I worked with Jeff Cork for what fifteen years and Ben mm-hmm. for fifteen years and mm-hmm. yeah, there's something too about like having a job with a lot of people that you like, but then also the fact that the core of it was about having fun mm-hmm. and you know getting better. <laughs> That's right. No, but not that every day was a blast. There are plenty of very stressful and negative mm-hmm. days in there as well. But when it's like, yeah, but rarely, it's a real honor, I think, and privilege to have a job where you can look back. I'm like, oh, here's hundreds of hours of us laughing archived mm-hmm. forever in video together. It's like, that's yeah. such a crazy thing. And so there's so much fun and just laughter coming from that job. There's mm-hmm. like, well, it's tough to just move on and be yeah. like, okay, see you, suckers. I think what was yeah. great about that environment also is that you know, in retrospect, it, you, I look back at covering E3 and shows with mm. like, great fondness because it was like really hard work with your friends. And it's kind of like really bonded us, I think, closer than ever because you're just like huddled there trying to figure out this terrible Wi-Fi or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah. it, but those things came at like a dependable clip right so you knew that it was going to happen you would kind of bond it wasn't like that all the time i don't know that our our friendships could have sustained that (laughs) if that was the norm yeah constant struggle but yeah i mean i think all of us sort of going through like ben said a lot of the good times and as jeff Mm -hmm. said a lot of the hard times like that just sort of that tempers relationships in a way that you Mm -hmm. don't just like cast off when you know, when you're, unless you're moving away to Maryland or something, yeah, right. and then, and then you're dead. In the back. But, yeah. yeah, I think like also for me at least, uh, I'll let you talk, Hanson. Um, <laughs> it was like a delightful surprise because something that when I was younger, that the sentiment from Stand by Me kind of stuck with me that it's like you just never have friends like you do when you're 12, right? Mm. And, and emotionally, was, we're all still 12. Exactly. <laughs> Therefore, 100. percent No, but I think that that I, that was proven wrong. Often and abundantly. Like, I yeah. feel like the friendships that I made at GI are, like, friendships that I will have for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Like, I have went to your wedding, and you didn't invite me. I'll go to yours. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, things like that. It was, like, I love these guys. And, like, even people like Tim and Dan are out of mm-hmm. state and everything. But we communicate with them all the time as well. So. Well, yeah. The, speaking of weddings, like, Dan's wedding was out of state. But I think most of us in this room, like, made a point to, like, go to the wedding, right? Joe wasn't invited because it was because <laughs> Joe didn't invite Cork to his. It was oh, a, it it was a, a real tit for tag. Daisy yeah. chain. It was complicated. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, but uh, instead of just, you know, working in the office together for how many years as well, like the part that I was especially accustomed to going on almost every cover story in that span mm-hmm. was like yeah. traveling. Like you really yeah. have to bond with people when you're traveling across the world Not and just sleeping in the same hotel room. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's just like, I know the snoring and sleeping patterns <laughs> of everybody in Game Informer, mm-hmm. all the men at least. Uh, and so it's just like, it feels, look, this is the most pompous thing in the world. So please cut it down. But it feels a little bit like being in a band together or something. It's like, it's like, 0.5% of maybe what the Beatles felt, you know? <laughs> just, you know? Is that insane? 0.5? I think there's something they're just like spending so much time together. Just because they traveled a lot? And they had what? a lot of fun. I think a step okay. above like a touring indie band is sleeping in their van. Right. I would say, because like the fact that we shared hotel rooms, uh, like my wife continued to be appalled. Like, <laughs> wait, your parent company is what? You have how many readers? Why they don't are do that anymore, though. Like that. Well, I mean, they're not. There's not much traveling yeah, anymore. Yeah, because they're traveling. No, no, no. no, no but a it's trip like in that, two years. But, but like the policy changed. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, anyhow, Cork, do you remember that time that we were in <laughs> Osaka mm-hmm. and we got to our hotel room? Oh no! <laughs> and then 
uh, you immediately went to the bathroom uh-huh. and you were taking a little while. And so uh-huh. I was just, you know, looking around the hotel room as you do. And they had like this fancy Japanese robe. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately <laughs> took off my clothes, except for my boxers, because yeah. I'm tasteful, and put the robe on and just like laid in the bed. And then like two minutes later, Court came out of the bathroom wearing the exact same robe, doing like a fancy pose and we separately both re- going into comedy robe mode. <laughs> it was amazing. That's really good. Well, yeah, I mean, just not just traveling, but traveling internationally, especially is feels, I don't know. Oh, we had, we had cool opportunities and that mm-hmm. was part of it. So I don't want to come across as like, I don't know, arrogant or something, but that does bond you in any way when you're in another country where you don't speak the mm-hmm. same language. Oh, there's two, three other people near me. Like that just mm-hmm. navigating awkward yeah. experiences helps bond you. And then like yeah. coming back to the hotel room being like, did that, that guy in that interview, is he as cool as I think he is? Or like the inverse, like, uh, we need to huddle because this, this is cover not- story is <laughs> F. <laughs> we are on yeah, fire. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's also a weird flip too. Uh, and tell me if I'm just the mean one here or something, but I think there's also a, a beauty about like the relationship all of us have now where it's, there's a lot less stress involved, mm-hmm. you know, like I feel like I get I get along with you so much better now, Joe. <laughs> Not that we were like enemies, but I would say probably twice a month you'd have those moments of like, Hanson, you can't just like yeah. that tone. And it's like, I got it. And I was plenty frustrated with everybody at different times. But I feel yeah, like yeah. when it's all in the past, it's like, especially like there's a min-max thing where it's all just like contract. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to get really pissed or frustrated <laughs> at anybody ever. Cause like, I don't know. I'm on a podcast with them a couple of times a week and that's about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah. I've, I've found that to be true, especially when, like, oh, okay, so at GI, I would, like, I'd have to assign people reviews. Yeah. And there's some part of you that knows, like, ugh, this game is not going to be good. I have to assign it to Ben. And, like... <laughs> I was your go-to, like, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. At, well, every, I think everyone had to jump on grenades from yeah. time to time. Yeah. On, Jeffem on lived front. on them like, for a while, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Mediocre third-person shooter? That smells like Jeffem. <laughs> so, the, so there's that element of, like, okay, well, we're interacting in a sort of, like, professional capacity here, and those things still have to get done. But on a, like, personal level... I don't want to waste Ben's time <laughs> with some garbage game. I don't want to waste Jeff's time, but right, it's like it has. Right. So it's like I think those kinds of things too. Apart from just like the weird office flare-ups, which I know how I am. I understand. <laughs> no, that's um, you're, you're in the right most of the time. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like when you take that out, I think you do just get to like just get to enjoy all the best parts of people without having to put like mm-hmm. worry about the 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 pressure of the actual job. Yeah. yeah. So I was uh, I was thinking the other day about. Just like I think, um, I think I, I could be a jerk every once in a while. Is usually in the sense of like, oh, let's film this. This will be funny. Let's put this person in this situation. That'll be funny. It's like, no, it's not funny for them. It's kind of <laughs> the rebuttal. Like the one I was thinking of the other day was Elisa's first day on the job. I was oh, thinking no. about that too. She was on the podcast and she was Canadian, and so I was like, oh, this is gonna be fun. Was? So she was, <laughs> is Canadian, but she's on the Game Informer show with Joe and Tack, and so I was yeah. like, oh, would it be funny because she's coming down from Canada. I'll give her an American citizen test, citizenship test. It was mm-hmm. like, oh no, that's that's too mean. How about I make Joe and Tack take the American citizenship test to see if they would pass it? It'll be this funny podcast routine in honor of Elise working in America. Yeah, and we did it. 
I was, was so mad afterwards. Tack and Joe were pissed because they're like, I don't know how many years a senator raised for his term. Like, <laughs> and they were just so pissed about being just blindsided and making look like idiots. Uh, no offense, but it's just like you know, oh, not wow. knowing most of those questions, which is oh, totally yeah. and now reasonable. you're not a citizen. We that's right. <laughs> See, yeah. And so, and then it was after that. I was like, "Okay, I will just cut that twenty-minute segment from the podcast. Has never seen the light of day." Yeah, and like, I, I think, I think with some, with some warning and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But then you would have said, "No, you didn't that's tell." Him? Well, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so it was just on the spot, and and ultimately, what it boils down to. So I'm normally pretty game for for doing weird stuff if I know, but then <laughs> well, suddenly it's that. like, suddenly it's like asking a bunch of, like I just look like an idiot right, I, mm-hmm. like, right. I just don't want like I don't want to look totally stupid by failing like not only not getting the right answers but giving really dumb answers <laughs> to some of these things yeah like, yeah uh, and uh, God bless Tack but he's not a fan of looking kind of dumb on air <laughs> it's not his greatest quality I don't even mind it I just have I, I just like some control over the kind of dumb I, I see, look yeah. I see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well hey Reese thanks for being here man yeah man all that was right. A long well, that's, intro. Yeah, that's the intro. Are we good? Welcome are we, do we to the Minmax show. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you've enjoyed the Game Informer show. Uh, remember <laughs> to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Um, let's see. I have a bunch of questions, memories, all that fun mm. stuff. Um, you want to jump into some of this stuff now? I think for community questions, it's going to be a little bit more. Hey, man, it's your podcast. Hey, man. I, I know on the last episode of the Game Informer show, you listed off some of your mm-hmm. your favorite things that you've done and all that fun stuff. Um, and you started with. You, like your favorite article you've ever written was the one about why we play games like you've brought it up a lot you made like a video version of it like it's your it's the one you keep coming back to in a weird way it is the one I keep coming back to I don't know why I think it is an, an interesting premise because it was written like 12 years ago and I feel like I've grown a bit as a writer so I don't I look at it now and I cringe a couple times where I was like oh, I would have maybe worded this differently yeah but I the think correct s- there would have been helpful in that situation <laughs> that's right yeah. that's right why why <laughs> we play games <laughs> but the point is that basic idea why do we play games at all still mm-hmm. kind of fascinates me like why do we have this desire to even engage in this art form yeah I think that's still an interesting question and I think I addressed that in the article. So therefore, please check out the article. Did you so, come to your own so conclusion? So we do now? not need to talk about it at all. <laughs> Next subject. <laughs> there, there is other time. There is one answer, and I get to it in the article. So mm-hmm. please read it. I'm sure everybody's a slightly different answer, but what is your personal answer, you think, Reeves, for why you're so attracted to games? Erotically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're fun. Uh-huh. I, I, well... well I don't know. Like, part of it is I didn't know the answer before I did the article. I was like, I'm right, some, right. some scientists tell me why I like games. And the reason they told me and, and it makes sense to me is there's a lot of psychological needs that we as humans have. And part of that is we want to grow. We want to feel accomplished. We want to have good, strong social interactions. And that's all stuff. That's all stuff that games do. And when games do it really well, when they're super rewarding super accomplished like we get like our, our hooks into them that's how they can be like super addictive yeah I think I think for me it is just like that stupid hang on my ba- or my uh, basement's making noises but um I think it's just that simple idea of hey the world is nothing but chaos and here's an orderly system where there's a goal to accomplish mm-hmm. and then you will make progress the end it, it, is it just as simple as that I mean, I think that's an element of it, but I think part 
building off of what Ben said though too, <clears throat> I like the idea that there's all these there are all these things that you want, but in real life there's risk associated with that. Like you have skin in the game in real life, right? Mm-hmm. Like like oh I wanna I wanna try to uh buy up some land and start a farm and build a successful farm. Like that's going to cost you millions of dollars and you will possibly end up bankrupt at the end of, you know, like like in real life you can't do that without yeah. significant risk. In Stardew Valley, you can do that and you get like all the satisfaction mm-hmm. of the of the accomplishment and none of the risk. You just get to like immerse yourself mm-hmm. in it and it's like all the positives and none of the negatives. Except well, for that dead grandpa. That's <laughs> well, a bit of a bummer. Well, yeah, but, you know, you down. Well, that's that, going to happen no matter what. That's the thing I learned is they compared it to, I, I can't remember the name of the guy I talked to. He was a scientist. And, Stephen Hawking? Oh, you met him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He, mm-hmm. So Hawking said that we, we <laughs> he compared it to work, right? Uh, that we as humans, you could say we were designed or you could say like we evolved to this place where we really like to accomplish things. We like to grow and games do that. And in a sense, we, we enjoy work, but we don't like the hard parts of work. Like work sucks only because there's like things that get in the way of making you being able to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Like you'll try to do a thing, but there's all this stuff that gets in the way and like this isn't as easy as it seems that like it should be. Right. But games cut out all that stuff. So you can like accomplish the thing you really want to accomplish, and it's easy, and that's why mm-hmm. that's fun. Or at least yeah. you know, hey, what about Elden Ring? Nothing easy about that, but it's like, yeah, but it is attainable. It is very mm-hmm. clear. You're not going to get blindsided by office <clears throat> politics yeah. <laughs> well, as like, you're trying to take down Margaret. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, ki- killing a monster in Elden Ring is still kill- easier than killing a monster in real life. That's a great point. Mm. You know, I hadn't thought of it that way, and that's why you're the. That's genius, right. So. That's ah. why Frexus hired me. <laughs> You should put monsters in this game. <laughs> and we could kill them. <laughs> Hold on. Don't give it away. <laughs> he said he can't talk about <laughs> it, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm reading this book right now called Seven Games. Have any of you heard about it? Mm-mm. Brian Vore sent me a link to it because they mentioned it in like, the Axios newsletter. And I was like, yeah, Brian, that's extremely up my alley. Where it's um, it's written by a contributor to 538, like the mm-hmm. political analysis site and all that stuff. But it's a really interesting book where it tracks... Um, human history through seven different games so it's like checkers chess go backgammon uh poker i forget the other ones um but it each chapter is dedicated to a game and it tells a story of like where this game came from in history mm-hmm. how that whole thing works who rose to be the greatest of all time at this game and then how ai came and stomped the f out of that <laughs> human and so it's fast because every chapter is just like boy, I'm really rooting for this person. This is great. Like, the greatest checkers player in the world, I guess, the way that the author wrote it, he said that, like, it's the greatest um, competitive streak in sports history. Because really? he was he went 10 years undefeated in checkers. This guy was just a machine. Huh. And it's like, well, it's checkers. How complicated can it get? But when you get down to, like, competitive checkers, there's a bunch of little maneuvers that they start out with to make it more dynamic and interesting, so it's not always just a tie. And then the rise of AI, com- AI comes in and just annihilates everybody in sight. And then yeah. it's, oh, the coolest part is, uh, especially in the chess chapter, that really, really focuses on, like, you know, everyone was so cocky for so long. Like, chess, that is impossibly complex no computer can get near this thing 
And then it turns out in the late 90s, the computers did. Uh, and then it's just been exponential. The computer's getting better and better and better at chess. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so now every human in the world is just like mm -hmm. studying AI versus AI matches. Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating because they're talking about like the moves these computers are making, they're alien. Like they make no sense, but we just have to have the faith mm -hmm. that these are on another wavelength than we Yeah. Are. Like um, the bishops are moving like queens. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're really bad. Pawns you know, are like knights. Right, moving right. it ben, off the board. That's insane. <laughs> you should check out, there's a documentary out there called, uh, now I don't know what it's called. Maybe Queen's it's just Gambit. called AlphaGo. <laughs> Yes. But, yep. Yep. But they talk about that in the Go chapter. Yeah. There's a there is a documentary about like the the top Go player playing yeah. the top Go AI. That is, even if you don't know anything about the game Go, like which I I am a total idiot when it comes to that. Yeah. But it's like it's fascinating. Got as any this, sevens? It's fascinating <laughs> as a story of like man versus machine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It would be a really good companion and, and, piece and, and for just, sure. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's a John Henry all over again. Exactly. <laughs> There's a they had this story too of like apparently in the late 1700s <laughs> some inventor came up with something called the mechanical turk. Have you all heard about this? Oh yeah, this? yeah. Where it's just a giant automaton from the late 1700s mm -hmm. and it would play chess. It knew how to play chess. And it was beating all of these chess masters and so it traveled the world and like Benjamin Franklin went up against this thing. He's like this machine is incredible. Uh, Napoleon Bonaparte played and lost to this thing. Was it just a person in a suit? Turns out it was a guy in like this little <laughs> container at the bottom that was moving a bunch of levers. But like they did the Benjamin Franklin's like, well, I'm the smartest man in the world. And this, by yeah. God, is a true mechanical Wait, what beast. What was it called again? The Mechanical Turk. Yeah. And you look at a picture of it now and it's just like this embarrassing, stupid thing. There's a giant box. Check in the box for a human, everybody. Check the box. It says, ouch. <laughs> Classic Turk. Um, but anyways, in, in that book, I guess the point that I was getting to is they have the definition of games, which has been widely circulated now, where it's like, okay, other than Sid Meier, your new boss, I believe. That's right. Do you have to do like your, you know, yearly review with Sid Meier now? Is that going to be an honor that you get Probably, to Probably, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's going to be stressful. Um, but what, he defined it as a game as a series of interesting decisions. Mm -hmm. um, but like the way that this book quotes it um, is a game is the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. Ooh. See, I think Sid's is better. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> We're with Sid. <laughs> well, you read Sid Meier's autobiography. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, he talks about that too. He's like, I don't know if I remember saying that exactly. <gasps> he kind of yeah. goes into it a little bit. And also, yeah, I love it. And he's like, I don't. also don't think it's true because Guitar Hero, that doesn't fit. Yeah. 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 Turns out Sid is smart enough to come up with That's that. That's an interesting choice apart. of when to activate Star powers. <laughs> right. Went to hear that sweet sound. <laughs> As you're trying to go yeah. through it. Um, Cork, you seem like somebody who plays a lot of games just for like soothing the mind. Mm, for me, it's I think games come at a really nice intersection between comfort and novelty, both of which I think are like my dominant urges and things <laughs> that I seek out. Yeah. So I mean, those are things that I seek out in, like, off-screen experiences as well. I like to see new stuff and do new stuff. As and long as they're comfortable and you can be in a beanbag. As long as I can yeah. wear a hoodie. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think that that's where it is. Like the Sometimes, like, a game will be, like, more novel and less comforting. But those two things are generally 
in the wheelhouse of, of what I'm going for when I'm playing games. Yeah. Mm. The comforting angle is something like, I don't know. Have you played um, Vampire Survivors yet? No. Has anybody played Vampire Survivors? No, I've heard you guys talking about it a Ooh. lot, though. Yeah, yeah. It is, you know, I, I enjoy it, but it is definitely that thing of like those games where you're getting it so addicted to it but you're so mm-hmm. aware of the loop like i know exactly what this game is doing i yeah. should be yeah. smarter than this like nobody saves the world is a great example of just like that game is so satisfying on every level even though i'm aware it's just watching a bunch of levels go up but it's but then we'll unlock new stuff where we need mm-hmm. more levels to go up but it's it just it works so well that sounds yeah. like a terrible game design that i would not <laughs> like at all <laughs> have you tried nobody saves the world yet cork no god i've been screaming about it's it for so long yeah. i believe I oh. think, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's probably really my should. game of the year so far. I mean, it still is my game of the year. We're like in wow. March, so yeah. it doesn't mean a ton. But yeah, it's it Man. is really it's such like a like every it's like a bunch of check boxes. You're like, I'm just gonna check this off. This but like it's so addictive. You're like, I just want to keep everything going, feels everything else. Going yeah, back to the like the sense of like accomplishment. Like we as humans like to accomplish things. We you know, the pride you have when you like mm-hmm. put together an IKEA set, you're like, well, I did that. Like and yeah. you see that. And then sometimes you just like take it apart to put it together again. Oh, mm-hmm. or even Legos. Yeah, like oh, I did that thing. I built that thing, uh, and that's what it is. It's just, but on a micro level, like there's tons of just little upgrades you do constantly, constantly, constantly. Mm, yeah, it's really good about that. I was uh, I was thinking about games recently because uh, I've been playing a lot of Gran Turismo Seven, mm. which by the way Sony provided codes for. They like us to point that out. Um, but uh, that's out this week. And like I played Gran Turismo three back in the day, and I enjoyed it fine. And but like you know I like Forza Horizon and stuff. But I was like I don't know, going back to a more sim angle. But I really, really am loving my time with Gran Turismo seven. Huh. And the weird thing though, um, is I wonder how much of it was just I played a lot of it like Thursday and Friday when uh, tensions uh, in the world with Ukraine and Russia were at an all-time high. And it was like, there was something so soothing about just like, let me focus on this game mm-hmm. where it's all about just mastering this one curve. Yeah. And the rest of it is just like... Um, cozy car i can't mm-hmm. c- car cozy yeah what's you, the right way you to can put it? you can hear the leather squeaking under your butt yeah. yeah and it's literally just like beautiful ui and then they play claire de lune is that that classical song it's just a like <laughs> classical music underneath just like beautiful ui and instead of forza horizon where it's just here's everything blah, 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 take it to this little girl over there. there's my progress over here it's like no 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 one goal at a time. You're not worried about anything else in the world. It's just traveling around the world with all these different tracks and just trying to master this one thing and making a little bit of progress along the way. But I'm really enjoying my time mm. with that thing. That hmm. sounds nice. Yeah, it is a nice thing. Um, so we should all go play Gran Turismo 7, I think, uh, is the point. That's what you're saying? Can I yeah. T-bone you and does the glass break and look cool? No, no. It very much doesn't seem like that type of game. I haven't played multiplayer yet. How many uh, people shout wahoo at you and through your like uh, ear set as you're as you're playing. Hmm, not that many. Why do you ask? It happened a lot to me in Forza Horizon. Oh, sure. Really? Yeah. Wahoo? Or, or like various screaming noises. Mm-hmm. I don't sure know you why. weren't playing Mario Kart by mistake? <laughs> do you remember that? They they <laughs> burnt up Paradise yeah. thing that they had where it, if you had uh, Xbox camera, if you crashed into someone, it would yeah. take a picture of them and put it. On your screen. Yeah, that's amazing. But then were people immediately like, okay, if I crash, I need to quickly drop trowel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the reason they crash. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the the best like car car crash image association is like the Luigi death eye in mm-hmm. the death stare in Mario Kart. Yeah, that, I got so many laughs out of that. Uh, last thing about Gran Turismo 7, mm-hmm. you know, they always get a lot of flack for taking so long to get these games out. This game just has a confusing amount of stuff in it. It has like a 
history of all these different car manufacturers with like beautiful piano working underneath it's just like a car oh, documentary dig into game. that porsche one it'll be very enlightening oh, yeah oh, i'll have to check hmm. this out but it's crazy because then they also have like a timeline of basically human history like the history of pop culture baked into there as well so you can see where the car you just unlocked compares to for example when uh jean-paul sartre is that how you pronounce his name? I think it's Sartre. Sartre? Uh, received the Nobel Prize. You're like, here is when the first skeleton of a T-Rex was discovered what? and fully yeah. assembled. It's just like, it's like, no wonder this game what took so long. It's cars. like a history of all of <laughs> mankind baked in there as well. It's just a weird, classy experience. Ben, you're a narrative designer. This, the answer should be self-evident. That's do. right. That's they, right. They consulted on this game. Yeah. They said, <laughs> yeah. put everything in it. Exactly. <laughs> do you uh, remember, speaking of pop culture, do you yeah. remember that pop culture museum? Like, you <laughs> We went, I think it was on the Fraxis trip. Like, it's yeah, in Baltimore. Yeah, we went to Baltimore, yeah. It's such a cool museum. It's like the history of pop culture over the 1900s. It starts with, like, even the 19, like 1910s, like the Yellow Kid comic strips mm-hmm. and stuff like that, all the way through, like, the 90s with Ninja Turtles. And What I remember is we got there, and I don't know what the advantage was, but they asked you some trivia question about comic books, and you got it right. And I was like, wow, this is truly <laughs> the best companion I can hope for in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was amazed. What was the question? Um, I think it was something about Superman, like some plot point from Superman in 1972 or something. That what does the know. S on his chest? Like? <laughs> yeah, some deep cut that was basically impossible. Um, Soup. <laughs> hey, I uh, I asked um, Kyle and Jeffem mm-hmm. if they had any uh, Ben Reeves things they wanted to share, mm-hmm. and Kyle immediately brought up something that I don't think we talk about enough, and I forget about, and I shouldn't forget. But Kyle said he wanted to just give a shout out to the the Smash Brothers tournament at E3. Oh, Joe, do you so remember good. this? No. Oh my lord! There was a big press versus press Smash Brothers tournament hosted by Jeff Keighley, where it was like in this. Was it the Nokia? Yeah, Nokia of, theaters. Like, yeah. oh, okay, a yeah. huge crowd of people watching this, and they were like the first one of the first people to get to play Smash. Yeah, for Wii U, the, maybe. Mm, it must maybe, have been. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and so they had four members of the press there and Jeff Keighley's on stage introducing them to the roar of the crowd and first up he's like Hey, we have from IGN coming in Fran Mirabella and Fran <sighs> runs out and he's, yeah. he's punching the air yeah. and next from Game Informer we have Ben Reeves and Ben walks out from behind the curtain with his phone like this and then he goes <laughs> holds up the finger to Jeff Keighley like hang on hang on and then he puts it down and then sits down and Jeff Keighley is like well he must have just been finishing a very important phone call like he just tries to roll with the thing that you're sincerely on the phone it's so good it's, it's amazing just a, oh. a heel turn that was not necessary at all like how much would we have to pay you Cork to do that in front of a crowd of people to just Oh, be God. on the phone. Did just slight Jeff oh. Keighley specifically too. <laughs> like, <laughs> Kyle uh, ended up filming that. Yeah, there is like, footage. It's, he filmed something like of us walking into it, and then something right afterwards. And then it took him like five years to finally like put the video up online. I'll put. A, I think uh, it's online somewhere though. It is. It's not on YouTube, but I'll share a link if you want to see Jeff Keighley trying to wrap his mind around Ben Reeves' comedy, <laughs> which is. <laughs> Pretty stellar in my sparks mind. and smoke coming from the back of his The funny colony. thing, too, is, like, I picked Greninja, which is my first time ever playing the character, which was right. a huge mistake. And then I was, like, the first person knocked out, of course. So, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like, oh, what? Uh, Jeffem said, 
I think Ben Reeves was low-key one of the best storytellers at Game Informer. Mm. the end of the day, aren't we all storytellers? That's right. Jack and yes. Joe went up the hill. That's right. You never stop writing that in your previews. Uh, he says, <laughs> what happens next? You decide, dear reader. <laughs> his cover stories in Game Informer Classics always did a great job of establishing a time and place and making the people um, he wrote about very relatable. And he did a lot of these articles. He was definitely underappreciated for that. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you. Is that nice? I remember it. I think the only time I've ever read a video game preview and finished it and thought that was a really great piece of writing was I remember I kissed your eyes too much about it but it was the Spider-Man Edge of Time preview <laughs> you did for Game Informer I was like this is like genuinely good and there's like a human story in it it wasn't just you'll unlock I remember you telling me that too it's like this is the best thing you've ever read and I was like really that one I was like, <laughs> and then for the next 10 years I was like am I ever going to beat them am I ever going to stop Spider-Man that Spider-Man thing never did. Time. yeah you yeah, should have stopped right plays, I, I'm just saying it's very good <laughs> should read why we play <laughs> <laughs> that other article I wrote 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I really like Ben's... Uh, my, my favorite article of his was the uh, the one about the guys who made all that money making terrible games. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. What yeah. was that again? Uh, I tweeted it out, actually, like last Friday because I tweeted out a bunch of things. I was mm-hmm. like, here's some of the things I'm proud of. And uh, gosh, what was that? It was Bethesda? That- no, I'm just <laughs> having fun. Just making <laughs> jokes. They make great games. <laughs> Uh, I tweeted out. Go check out my Twitter account. <laughs> but it, it, but it, 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 was, it was basically sorry. I can't remember the name of the story. Is the mm-hmm. pro, or the yeah, name whatever. of the, the article? But it's a bunch of guys who. It's one of the guys who founded Alchemy Labs actually, and they went on. Oh to make, really? Uh, job Simulator. Job Simulator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they had this fun idea that they would just make a bunch of like really really crappy, uh, you know, slot Casino, machine games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they. Basically automated the whole system where the their system they programmed it would pull images off of they would put in words first first of all like banana and mm-hmm. then it would like pull okay let's find a picture of a banana and then slap it onto the slot machine thing and then upload it onto Google and it was like banana slots this game on the Android <laughs> yeah, store but so it's like, all 100 percent automated yeah and so they just fired it off and go walked away and then it started you know it. it it had ads turned on, and so they started making money. Like millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was millions, but it was... It was like a million. It was, it was a lot. A yeah. million of dollars. <laughs> anyway. That's right. But they were make, making legit money out of it, and they're like, this is maybe unethical. And, like, <laughs> and, and at some point, they're like, maybe we should not... Yeah, it kind of became a... Anyway, the article goes into that and just how Google would allow this and like, what does it mean to have a curated garden versus you know wall garden versus just an open system where anybody can publish things so right right i think it gets interesting yeah um i was going through my phone and just looking at like old photos and videos and stuff of you specifically because you know google photos i love this thing where you can search i'm so handsome that's right you can search by the face i just think it's the coolest (laughs) thing um and uh i found this video i was like i don't know do we do this do you remember setting up all of those playstation one games for extra life in like dominoes did Wait, we, I remember I, us talking about it. Did we, did we actually? I found a it? video of us doing it. I don't. At least it was like a test that. run, like okay. in one half of the bullpen. But did we end up doing that for extra life? I don't think we did. But thought, we just set it up as a test. 
We must have. I don't. The even idea was like it. for every donation, we'll set up a new PlayStation One game because at Game Informer we had the vault, we had all these thousands of games and all this stuff. Well, our idea was gonna like this is going to be annoying to set up, so let's have an intern. Do it. <laughs> 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 what we were talking about. Maybe that's why we called it off. Yeah, but then I think the idea was if we didn't hit our goal for extra life, then we wouldn't knock over yeah. the dominoes. <laughs> so we'd be setting it up for twenty four hours and just letting it ride if it didn't happen. Oh man, which would have been diabolical. Also, just the odds of that getting kicked over. Oh, yes. kicked is yes. astronomically high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At, especially Extra Life, everybody running up and down those stairs. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been a complete disaster. It would have happened. Yeah, Extra Life, that was, a, that was a big thing for you. You're always a real trooper with that. Yeah, I always like doing that because I remember doing it probably before you even started doing it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jason Acecracker really got the ball rolling there, yeah. Well, I think uh, we might have even done it a year before he even started doing it. No. But I remember it was mostly like Tim. Well, maybe, maybe. yeah, I don't want to. Nobody would have done the tech if we wasn't there. Uh, Tim? No, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably Nick Aaron's? <laughs> I don't think so. Hmm. Well, when we started, though, it was just, let's load a bunch of TVs into the room and we'll just live stream it. And that's, right. There was no production behind it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And then now it's, I mean, mostly because of you, like, you've taken the ball and run with it, and mm-hmm. it's been a fun production, and even last year it was fun to, like, sit around this table and... Do it for eight hours? Yeah. yeah. When are we firing up what the dub here? Yeah. <laughs> we should really get that going. Yeah. God, that is the funniest <laughs> thing. It's on my top ten list uh, for games of 2021. Just like I can't, I can't deny that that game is so freaking funny. Really good. Yeah. I brought it to several parties over Thanksgiving, and it was always a hit. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, do you remember? Uh, obviously, we shot a lot of Man on the Street stuff. I guess I say a lot, but how many did five? Maybe. Something like that where we just walked around the streets of Minneapolis. Yeah, and did this just become people? This Is Your Life, too? Is that where we Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I like the Man on Your Streets a lot. Man on Your Streets? Man on Your Streets. <laughs> Funny thing about that is, Man on... Okay, this is... Remember when I had the idea for having the road show? And I wanted to, like, oh, yeah. get always start the thing by, like, let's get this road on the show. Yeah. And that was going to be your thing. Anyway. He wanted to do a show about roads. Uh-huh. Is it in the Benvention? Country roads, by roads, Benvention. I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That was but, always a highlight of going on a trip with you <laughs> yeah. as you just reading through your Benventions from your <laughs> phone's note. Right. Yeah. As Todd Howard would beg you to stop. <laughs> Please. We need to do this interview. I got five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you remember shooting the, <laughs> we were going to do, does the public know about VR? Mm-hmm. And we went to the Skyways in Minneapolis, mm. and we tried filming for like three hours. And I don't I, think we got a single. Nobody to was take up it. for it. Whereas you wander the streets by the river, and like a bunch know, of college kids down I mean, there. Yeah, yeah. some people would still say pulling like, teeth. no thanks, but like I would say, would. two out of three, you'd get people ah, maybe, maybe half. That, yeah, but like, you point is, you get people to like right, right, right. say yes. We didn't get a single person who wanted to like mm-hmm. jump on, and and it's probably because it's all business people. Up yeah, there. and they're just yeah. walking to go to lunch and whatnot. But mm-hmm. It's such a weird bust of like, yeah, sorry, we just spent the workday asking people if they wanted to talk about VR, and they all said no. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? <laughs> There's your but feature. Then there was, There's your feature. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there one person who was like, I, I don't want to be recorded, but and because we had the Oculus with us, I think the Quest oh, maybe. Did we? And they were like. Is that it? Can I try it? Like they were curious about it, but they didn't want to like go on record. Um, Do you remember when we're asking people if they knew who developed Call of Duty? Yeah. And then um, one lady, you asked if she knew what Call of Duty was and she's like, yeah, it's like, I don't know, something about terrorists. And then you just gave her a deadpan look and you said, yeah, but what if I told you the terrorists were right? 
<laughs> just a straight face that <laughs> held a mic to her face. It was like when I look back on those experiences, I just remember like so many incredibly uncomfortable it, it, jokes. It was very, very uncomfortable All to do of those that. Were uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, that one especially though, because that's when Ben kept bringing up Big Red one. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because somehow Big Red was referenced, and then it was like every interview Big yeah. Red one had to be slipped in as a joke yeah. about Call of Duty. You can oh do whatever you want if you have a microphone. Honestly, yeah, like, I went back and watched that Wii U one, which is the first one we did, and, like, the first person we ever talked to made me laugh, because you open with <laughs> giving the mic, oh, and no. then you go, all right, so why are we talking to you today? And you hand her the mic, <laughs> and the sweet lady's like, well, and she's, like, trying to roll with it. When she has no idea what we're doing or what this is about, but she's just like, everybody's so eager to please. Yeah. Everyone is so sweet in those vid- videos. I really love doing that. Well, yeah, because you're a huge a-hole to them, too. Like, well, by you, I mean... Me, I'm just <laughs> able to them, and they're like, Oh, and smile and nod. And you're like, I'm sorry, dude. I really <laughs> sorry about that terrorist crap. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it would be a funny bit. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I kept sending those to my, my family too. I would send them to my mom, and she's like, Oh, this is very funny. And for each one, she'd always say, it's not as funny as the last one. Oh, <laughs> she would no. say that, like, every time. I was like, I'm just so progressively getting worse. Okay. <laughs> You've been funnier, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, Jeff Cork, do you know yes, um, how we're allowed to record this legally? Some kind of fair use thing? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which can be found at patreon.com slash minmax with two ends, everybody. Thank you mm. so much. If you enjoy the show, you can help support the show and help support independent games media by mm. heading over there and supporting us at any tier. Unlock some cool options for you. Just go to patreon.com slash minmax. Just see what the tiers are like. You'll find something you like, I promise. Um, and special thanks to these folks who jumped in and supported us just today in a little mm. something we call the uh, Hot Pocket. They hit the hot pocket and and subscribe and support us on Patreon today. Uh, So thank you to Connor J. Tobin. Um, You want to read this one, Reeves? Thank you, Connor. This is a trick. Uh, Meet Tony the Swordsman. Well, his name is just Tony the Swordsman. That's just the Patreon email. Oh, okay. Says, Meet Tony the Swordsman. <laughs> thank you, Meet. Appreciate it. <laughs> and Zeno, thank you for supporting us on Patreon. We appreciate it, folks. Also, thank you to some of our bigger supporters. You know who they are. We're talking the one and only Jabba's Palace. Uh, the Star Wars game, the Love Letter game. Have you played a Love Letter game? I love Love Letter. I have a Batman version of Love Letter. Oh, really? Yeah. Speaking well, this of Love Letter, when is the new Boyhood movie going to come out? For, for Richard Love Letter. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> but anyways, this is a Jabba's Palace Star Wars variant of Love Letter. Um, it is a fantastic game. I brought it to Arizona to play with my parents, and they laughed a ton. It's a mm. great game. Very easy to pick up and play. You can bring it to a brewery. It comes in a beautiful little pack. So check out Jabba's Palace, a love letter game. If you're looking for a two to four, are you player. guys an heiress person or a Tifa love letter? Hmm. Man, which one? That's right, everybody. <laughs> if you're looking for a fun two to six player tabletop game, Jabba's Palace. Yeah. Run, don't walk. Yeah, Jabba's Palace. We could do this again later <laughs> if you didn't like it. Also, I'm so sorry. Thank you to Diverge Coffee, the wonderful folks over there at Diverge Coffee. They say, Brian and Nick here from Diverge Coffee. We just wanted to thank you again for all the support. We hope all of you wonderful min mattress have enjoyed the coffee you've gotten from us. If you haven't yet, mm. check us out at divergecoffee.com and use the promo code MINMAX for 15% off of any order. Uh, X Chin in the MinMax Discord said, 
This is unprompted, by the way. They said, I was finally able to get my Diverge coffee, and holy crap, it's good! Nice! So there we go, Diverge coffee. Testimonial. Yep, that's it. Also, thank you to the folks at Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1, which is a clip that you put on your Nintendo Switch Pro Controller so you can slide the screen onto it and then play on the go with the greatest way to play Nintendo Switch games. The Do Nintendo you remember Switch the Satisfy? Yeah, but this is for a different product, which is called the Fixture S1 from Fixture Gaming. Do you everybody. remember that other product? I do remember the... Do you think this is better? The Fixture S1, everybody. There's a link in the description. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It's 35 bucks over there hey, on Amazon. It's great coffee. I love it. <laughs> also, they are making the Fixture S2 for the OLED model, so that's going to be releasing in the future. But thank you to Fixture Gaming. Also, thank you to a little company called I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about the Spirit Fairs Collector Edition, and they want everybody to know that Joe Juba's on his phone right now and not looking completely <laughs> enthralled by these ads. But the Spirit <coughs> Fair Collector's Edition. We all like Spirit Fair, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Spirit Fair is great. It's fantastic. Uh, this is available on Switch and PlayStation. It's from Thunder Lotus. This is an I Am 8-Bit exclusive collector's edition. It has a fully functional Everlight replica, digital downloads uh, for the soundtrack, digital downloads for the entire art book and a physical edition of Spirit Fair featuring exclusive reversible cover art by acclaimed illustrator Aiden Yetman Michelson. So check that out everybody and for anything anything cool check out iMateBit's wonderful online store because everything in that store you can get for 10% off if you use the promo code this month March Madness no space March Madness use that promo code you get 10% off everything in iMapit's wonderful online store that's funny that's alliterative where they come up with that that's right they're just full of ideas over there Uh, also thanks to them because each and every week they ship out a wonderful prize from their online store to whoever submits the greatest question over on Mm. Patreon if you support any tier you can submit a question over on Patreon and then we choose our favorite that person wins a prize from iMapit because they're very generous Uh, this week whoever has the greatest question wins the Sonic Colors vinyl soundtrack which looks very cool and sounds even cooler Ooh. <laughs> uh, and hey heads up for everybody if you're listening to this and watching this and you want to help support independent games media and maybe win next week next week just a heads up uh, Disco Elysium the final cut the Playstation 5 edition the physical version which comes with a huge fold out poster thing you can win that next week this is the, that's the game and not the soundtrack that's right the mm-hmm. actual game so if you support us any tier and submit a question for next week you can win that uh, so if you're a big fan check it so out so it's just silent though that's right, yeah. That was my last review at Game Informer. Really? Disco Elysium Director's Cut. Ooh, 9-5? Yeah. 9 9 uh, Probably 2-5. I actually don't remember. Okay. How are you at memorizing Game Informer's reviews? <laughs> I think I'm pretty good at memorize at like a range. I bet I could give you the rough range that we landed in, if not exact scores. Okay, what about these Ben Reeves reviews? <laughs> Um, mm. I was looking through trying to figure out are there any anomalies that we can roast Reeves about where his review score was all over the place okay uh, not so much um, what did he give XCOM 2 uh 8-5 9-5 9-5 how dare you because Joe I remember we were on the I was on the edge of like do I give this one a 10 and I remember you we and me talking about that a little bit I was like eh. okay Interesting. Yeah, okay. So maybe it was I'm not a special moment I that I remember us having and I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, Paper Mario Color Splash? Otherwise known as Ben Reeves' worst call. <laughs> Ooh. 825. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is a no, Joe no, 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 no. Hey. Jeff, Jeff can play. 85. Uh, mm. See, I was going to guess that, but then I was like, well, that's what I guessed last time. I'm just going to be like the 85. That's not super egregious here. in my mind. Really? Well, what would you give it? 
six seven five. That feels too low. Well, <laughs> that's why we're different reviewers, I guess. Um, all right, let's get to these community questions. We got a bunch that people mm-hmm. submitted over there. On Those Patreon. are my only two reviews that feel out of place. <laughs> well, I was looking at other stuff, and I saw you gave Transformers Devastation, which was the Platinum Transformers game, which I forgot even existed. Mm-hmm. You gave it an eight. I was like, that's insane. Then it looked, everybody else gave it an eight. I was like, okay. I mean, that was yeah, that one was better than it needed. It was mass hysteria at the time. I do recall that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kit N writes in and says, "Game Informer reunion." Yes, hello. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you've talked about some really memorable experiences in interviewing in the past. Any that you've wanted to bring up but haven't had the chance to yet? At Game Informer or anywhere else? Hmm. Memorable developer interview. I feel like I bring it up all the time, but the, just the one where we did Shigeru Miyamoto and Anuma. Yeah, Rapid, rapid fire, fire was so fun. That was excellent. And you can watch it online. My, and, that's a perk. My first interview at GI ever was with uh, Toby Gard, who was the creator of Lara Croft. Oh. Mm. And I learned a lot of lessons in that interview about the wrong way to do interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like I I wanted to I wanted to make a good impression. I wanted to get good answers, so I spent all this time like writing out my questions like word for word on mm-hmm. a document and I like brought them with me into the interview and also Reiner sat in on the interview Ooh, with stressful. me which like made me nervous oh. so I'm basically sitting there just like reading questions I felt like a like a grade schooler right mm-hmm. like giving a presentation reading questions and and getting the answers and it felt so Bad and so <laughs> and so mechanical. Like yeah. I knew as it was happening that like I am blowing this. I am not seeming like a human right now. That is the worst feeling. And uh, but I mean, thankfully because it was like my first one, mm-hmm. it didn't make it. It didn't make it like a bad impression on Reiner because it's like it's, it's his first day or not my first day, but my first big thing like that. So I feel like yeah. I recovered okay. But like I learned so much from that in terms of like how not to do interviews and how not mm-hmm. to do it. So like at, like after that one mistake, pretty much all of my interviews afterwards were like I would basically have like keywords for questions. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like like these are the words that remind me the question I want to ask. Yeah. But then I just ask the question in the moment. And like and then that also gives you more room for follow up mm-hmm. because if you just have a list of like hey, these are some topics I want to talk about. It gives you so much uh, like more opportunity for follow-up questions and actual conversations rather than just feeling like you're reading a script. Yeah, I yeah. think um, the the keyword thing I did for a while, but I always I would run into the trap of I would see the keyword and then I would over ask the question. I would ramble and it's like, especially with Japanese. Oh yeah, interviews like I need to boil that thing down. So mm-hmm. I've actually gotten in the habit of like literally writing out the question, making it as tight as I can. But then I guess it's a little bit of like acting where it's like I'm, I have it all written down, but I just make it seem mm-hmm. hopefully natural enough that it doesn't seem natural like that. And yeah. then just really focusing on no matter what they answer, I'm going to ask several follow up questions and it always pays off. And mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense for you as like as someone mm. who's like vid- like doing a video for it. Right, you want right. to make it as like clear and concise and compact as possible. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. For me. Like I I know exactly what you're talking about because I absolutely overask those questions. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I know that I ramble when I do it. But I would rather do that and have it like feel authentic rather than have it feel scripted. And, well, yeah. and have to act about it. The other thing is when I was in college and they in some journalism class, they were like, Oh, when you ask a question, you know, let them ramble on as much as they want. 
mm-hmm. and like don't interrupt them you know if they're kind of finishing a thought let them you know kind of like keep talking and then and then ask your next question but that doesn't work as much for video because I remember no. talking to you about that I was like well you kind of want to like keep the flow going and so you want to like once they're mm-hmm. getting down to the wire like you know interrupt and you like actually, ask the next it, question it seems I remember a producer taught me once and it seems counterintuitive but like you want to interrupt people in a very subtle way when you're doing an interview because if you ask a question and Cork starts rambling about his time in high school if I'm not literally butting in but I'm just holding up a finger and making it seem like I'm ready to Ask mm-hmm. the next question. They will naturally wrap it up and right. keep it a tighter, shorter, cleaner yeah. answer, which is better well. for video. Exactly, which is interesting. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. the difference between video and like yeah. written journals. Yeah, one hundred percent. But for like most memorable interviews, I think a lot about, and I'm glad it's still the audio. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he held up his finger for the audio listeners. Um, but I think a lot about our trip uh, for Hellblade, where mm-hmm. we went to England. And then this is like the absurd beauty of a cover story. So like, okay, well, it's a lot about the mind of Senua. So we wanted to consult people who understand, what's the word I'm looking for? Sensory input um, in the mind, how the mind perceives reality. So we're going to literally go to a college. We're going to Oxford. Mm-hmm. And we're a just, college. A college. <laughs> we're going to the Oxford campus and meeting this amazing professor there who's been there for Professor 40, of psychology or something. Yeah, like for years or something absurd like that. And he just tells us how the mind works mm-hmm. and how it perceives reality for like an hour. Do you remember this race? Yeah, we walked amazing. in and he was like, oh, do you want some tea? It was like yes. the most British thing ever. It was like yeah. an amazing looking college professor office. The room like, felt like the White tea. House. It was mm-hmm. just like some yeah. old, huge room. They had this massive fancy. garden out front that we like yeah. walked through at one point. And then it was just a matter of him explaining. They're like, oh, no, it's a miracle that we perceive the same reality as all at all. Mm-hmm. And realistically, we don't. I don't know, Clark, is your story, like, you're the main one doing the interview. Like, do you remember, what stands yeah. out to you about that? Uh, I think it just, that one, nothing really stands out because it was just, he was so engaging and uh, he seemed prepared to talk about this, That's which right. I appreciated That's as someone right. who spent several weeks thinking of questions. So. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, he was really fun to talk to. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Those are my favorites that I was just sitting by for most of it. Mm-hmm. I, for me, like one one interview that sticks out. I don't know if I've brought this up or not. It was in a trip to Japan where it was something where I was going there for a the Square Enix uh, party, right? That they had. This is when I first started. It, anyway, the the gist of it was what will happen in a situation like that is when uh, like PR knows that people are going to be traveling from the United States to Japan, they'll see if there's other opportunities for other studio visits or everything to kind of maximize right, everyone's right. time. Okay. So I went to uh, an event before the Square event, and it was super chill, played a game, had a nice time, some beverages fell in my mouth, and these things were winding down. <laughs> what, what was the game? I, I don't want to get into the specifics. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's not the point of the thing. I wanted but, to know the beverage. Uh, I, I believe it was beer. Mm. <laughs> uh, they had many beers. Uh, but then the things were winding down and everyone's kind of getting their stuff. And then uh, a PR person came to me and said, oh, Jeff, they're almost ready for your interview, which was sprung on me oh. that I did not know oh, about. No. And it wasn't just an interview. It was the inter- I was talking to the chief financial officer <sighs> of this Japanese game studio. Yeah. Uh, a little tipsy and <sighs> completely not prepared. And fortunately, I did like the biggest Hail Mary. I was just like, 
I know we're here to talk about these games, and this is all very impressive of everything. I want to bend your ear and talk about Pachinko, because I notice your company's name is on a lot of Pachinko machines, yeah. and it's just something that is so for, foreign to me. I like pinball. Talk to me about Pachinko. And he was like all in on it. He got really? so excited wow. to talk about it, and I was so relieved because I did not have another play. <laughs> so <laughs> yep. That's amazing. Ugh. And he got off the hook for all those financial crimes that he'd been up to. <laughs> financial crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Way to do the hard-hitting journalism there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember there was, I don't know if it was War of Cybertron or Fall, Fall of Cybertron. Cybertron. We were talking to Tej, was that his name? Yeah. Tej. Tej. And he was Okay, let motion. me set this up. Let me set this okay. up. Mm. So, yeah, this was at High Moon uh, for the Fall of Cybertron cover story trip, which I was very annoyed with you to begin with because we like to keep the cover stories very secret about where we oh, are at yeah. any point. And we're in Carlsbad, California, where there's only <laughs> one game developer, and it's High Moon Studios. Yeah, but get ready yeah. for this and joke. We, and we got there, and Reeves tweeted, I'm in Carlsbad. I don't know what Carl did, but it couldn't be that bad. And I was like, you blew our cover story? For that? For that? And everybody true. erupted in laughter. It's unbelievable. Anyways, but we... That's we what had, you wanted to set up. That's what I wanted to set up. No, no, set up this actual interview. So we had a whole bunch of video interviews that we were shooting, and one of them, it was just as dry as humanly possible. I cannot imagine we did something so boring for so long, but that's on me. And so the idea was, okay, this is like a 40-minute roundtable discussion with you and Miller and Tiege and somebody else from High Moon and they were talking about the systems of multiplayer for Transformers Fall of Cybertron just like nitty gritty details about like the upgrade systems with zero gameplay footage by the way by the way this is just like let's and you know Miller like, can can wax poetic about anything so we're really getting into like the details mm -hmm. of this multiplayer mode that nobody now even knows existed yeah right? Sorry, you're going to say something, Kirk? I was going to say, who would want to listen to four dudes talk about dirty <laughs> stuff for 40 minutes? Okay, so it was just a very dry, boring interview. And about 30 minutes into the discussion, <laughs> Matt Tija from High Moon was describing something. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, okay, so here's how it works. You have Optimus Prime over here. And he just puts his hand up, and Reeves was sitting next to him. And Reeves, like, just without blinking, just went, okay, so I'll just do it. Yeah. Optimus Prime yeah. here. And Reeves just like high-fived him real quick <laughs> and it just shattered the entire interview because all of a sudden it's just like what what what's this and i remember miller just goes benjamin reeves everybody oh, miller seemed mortified it was so good and everyone like had a light chuckle but it was just like genuine confusion about like what was that why did you do it reeves you're like oh it's just a reflex <laughs> i think i think it was partially flex. because i was bored like you're talking uh, totally. about like yeah. something needs to happen here yeah. <laughs> And I thought it'd be funny. Yeah. And then I don't think our bosses found it as funny as we did. <laughs> yeah, they could be. They could be. Uh, the other one that I love is um, for Elder Scrolls Online, for that cover story. Um, you know, a lot of being in a studio is kind of awkward downtime, especially on the video front. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, I need to set this up with two cameras. We have multiple lights. So we're in like a little office room setting up for this interview all about uh, the studio's approach to quests in Elder Scrolls Online, how to keep quests interesting and carry over the legacy of Elder Scrolls and Elder Scrolls Online and all this stuff. And it was going to be Reeves doing the interview. And so it was a long setup. It was one of those that I'm just kicking myself over. A lot of those are like, hang on, I need to go back and check this. Okay, white balance. Okay, I, I'm actually going to 
swap where you guys are at and let's move this plant over here and then this light has to be a little bit like this so it was like a 15 minute setup which is but you can tell when you watch the video it really like, shines yeah, yeah, yeah. totally so worth it it was reeves and the creative director of elder scrolls online just like sitting there patiently while i'm fussing with all this stuff and then finally okay cameras are rolling all right action reeves here we go and then reeves just looks at the developer and goes side quest <laughs> I don't know if it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and the developer, again, because everybody's very nice and normal, was like, yeah, Elder Scrolls Online features <laughs> sensational side quests. We're talking all your favorites, the Brotherhood. And just, just like, it's it just, took him a second. He's like, is he serious? Yeah. Is that a question? And it is was a joke. It was a joke, but it was just Reeves. That was it his was opening. It was just, just like, launch into yeah, it. Just yeah. saying the word side quest and just seeing if he would react like yeah. at the start of the video. I sat in on the other end of a fair bit of interviews in my current role. Oh, and I yeah. will say that is not atypical. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, but not as a joke. But not as a joke. Yeah. People are all coming at various degrees of experience and like familiarity with social interactions and stuff. So yeah. like you, it like you get some people that are just like, that was one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. That was so fun. I wish I could have kept them going because it was so great. Yeah. And then the other ones are just like, Everyone's starting off, you know. Yeah. Somewhere. Oh huh. boy, it's gonna be rough. Um yeah, that's it. That, look, that was just one question. Thank you for writing in there, Kit M. <laughs> We're gonna be here all night. Yeah, apparently. Uh Mick Manga writes in and says, The return of the two Bens. Will they do the scream? <laughs> huh? We don't do that anymore. Oh. Uh seriously, it makes me laugh every time. But Reeves, just to be clear, we do not do the scream anymore. What we'll scream? Exactly my point. Oh. Uh, my question is for Joe. Will he will he, <laughs> will he be joining us for the Chrono Cross Deepest Dive? No, unannounced. Unannounced Chrono Cross. Nothing promised. But Joe, would you be joining us for such a thing? Uh, I, I think as soon as they announced that on that uh, uh, Switch Direct, stream, yeah, yeah, on the Nintendo Direct, I like texted Hanson, yes! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and then the next, I think it was the next morning, I was like, by the way, if if you're doing that Deepest Dive, I want to be on it. Yeah, so. I mean, we've been talking about doing it for so long. After we did the Deepest Dive and Chrono Trigger, like, well, some people in the community want to do Cross. I want to replay Cross. It's a game I love so much. There's definitely moments of like, Oh, there's going to be a lot of just like boring dungeons and crap. <laughs> <laughs> if I really think about playing through 40 hours of Chrono Crossing, but I love that game so much that yeah. I feel like at some point I need to revisit it. So might yeah. as well do it and make it for the deepest dive. Yeah. Well, and I was going to replay it last year. And right, I sent, right. And I sent Ben a message yes. like, Ben, what are the odds in like the next two years that there's going to be a deepest dive on this? Because if, if you think it's high, I'll wait. And, yeah. you, and you said like 50-50. Uh, yep. And, that, wow. and that, was, that was enough for me. So I held off. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't with that remaster... Yeah. We, we can't now. It's coming out April 7th. But again, nothing confirmed <laughs> about doing a deepest dive on Chrono Cross. Um, let's see. Uh, Grizzle Gaming says, Hey, gang, I don't really have a question, but as an old school Game Informer guy, having all of you together in the studio again makes me insanely happy. Aww. 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 Nice. Same. And this is the Game Informer studio. We broke in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, Jonathan12, he says, One part. Hey, will you mind your own business <laughs> you quit reading over my shoulder sorry is that your bank statement yeah okay <laughs> i like to check it during the podcast he wants to find the scream text that's right that's right um hey how was um your time hosting um the game former show reeves uh it's fun i enjoyed listening I had, oh thank you yeah i felt awkward which really yeah i don't know there were times where i felt awkward i felt like i got into a groove eventually my goal was to keep it short so i felt like i was constantly trying to like 
wrap things up quickly yeah. to try to keep it a shorter show. Mm-hmm. That was also Andy McNamara's goal, and then he kept cranking up four and a half hours. He made the episodes. longest episodes ever, yeah. <laughs> Which, and that's, for, and, you know, uh, all, all respect to Andy Mack there, but like, However. I... I <laughs> I just think it's funny that he would he would always give Hanson yeah. so much shit yeah. for making long episodes, mm-hmm. and then as, once he took the reins, they were like they got even longer. He made yeah. one four hour episode once. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, look, it's fun to talk. You know what it's like. You get down yeah. in the studio, you can't stop. I, I enjoyed being I enjoyed being in those recordings. Yeah, like, yeah. So. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I think you were really smart, Reeves, by like introducing oh the playlist and creating like more segments that people could you know yeah. latch on to like oh the character ranking which mm-hmm. i know cork often wanted to uh <laughs> this is what you want to do cork and this is again i have to mm-hmm. tell a story but telling a story but i always think of this cork I remember one time we we're on the titanfall cover story trip mm-hmm. and we were at like some cool guy bar and mm-hmm. both of us just wanted to get out of there so badly and i remember you said this thing cork that i can't ever not think about where you said don't you wish in situations you could just go like this and just Iron Man your way through the ceiling and just leave this place forever. So anyways, um, I know that's what you wanted to do. Just Iron Man your way through the ceiling yeah. every time we're on character ranking. There were the so many show. editors who hated that segment, but then we got so many people writing in about yeah, it. It's More fun. people writing in about it than anything else we were getting written out about. So yeah. then the point too was like, it's just an opportunity to talk about those characters first yeah. but then right. you'd say like oh this character and people would be like 42 like trying mm-hmm. to rank it immediately and i would always like preface like before you recorded <laughs> this is an opportunity to talk about the characters mm-hmm. like yeah let's talk about it a little bit it's before less we about jump the into ranking. ranking yeah exactly right. you don't work there anymore reese you can yeah so like hosting it for a year what, what do you think you learned about constructing a podcast or something that i time? say like a lot Ah, I've never noticed that. Oh, oh, really? Honestly, I've never have. I've never stumbled over that. Yeah, and I stumble on my words a lot. Uh, but other than that, like, like I don't know. Uh, it's I had fun doing it. it. It's fun to, like, keep the conversation going and keep things short. Is yeah. that what you're looking for? What are you looking for? I don't know. Wise lessons about <laughs> what it's like to host mm-hmm. a podcast for a year. And then you have video game. Basically, don't do it. I recommend not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's your only job, but it seemed like that's a heavy lift for someone who's also got to review games and write cover stories and stuff where it's just like, yeah, I'm also putting together a weekly podcast. That Mm -hmm. is, that was the busiest I've ever been just probably doing that Mm -hmm. podcast. Like it's a, it's a lot to do every week. Yeah. 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 And once you were online content director, that that's when Alex and Alex took over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even the video gameography, which I really enjoyed doing, I don't really want the game. I really enjoyed doing that show, and it was it wasn't even video, which helped lighten the load. It was still a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you edit that one then? Yeah, the me and Marcus took turns. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And that's still going on. Marcus and that's is going to be. He's going to keep doing it. He announced uh, this week that he's going to do Bioshock next. Oh, oh, very cool, very cool choice. Yeah, because you're. You still got a couple to go for Uncharted. Yeah, so we recorded a couple ahead of time where I'm like technically a guest. So I'm going to finish out the Uncharted series, and then, and then he'll probably take a week or two, and then I don't. I actually don't know if he's going to have a co-host or what he's doing. Yeah, hmm, you sure? That'd be fun. Am I sure? <laughs> I don't know why you seem so cagey about it. But no, because I, I, I don't know. I don't know who he's going to invite to be with him. The part about podcasting that I am still very self-conscious about after all these years and stuff, and I think you did a good job with Reeves. And it's maybe, I don't know, people don't notice it, but just like the basic lifting of like introducing people, mm-hmm. setting up segments, like being able to do that without sounding like a jerk or tripping over your own tongue. Mm-hmm. 
I have a tough time with, and I think it's an underappreciated skill. And like, I, I appreciate the, the Alex's on the Game Informer show now. Mm-hmm. Like, just simple things. Like, you know, I know that um, Alex is a f- big fan of Kind of Funny, and they had Greg Miller on an episode a couple weeks ago. And like, just doing an intro for Greg Miller on your podcast, like, he didn't stumble over it in the setup. And I was like, that's yeah. that should be appreciated. The fact that you can set up like this hero of yours being on the podcast and not just immediately stumbling over your words. Yeah, like, that yeah. type of basic. Kind of stuff. like you were talking about with writing questions i was just like write that stuff out like this is exactly what you're gonna say when you introduce this person right like that'd be the right thing. right and i had something else i was gonna say but i forgot it oh it's just you know keep it keeping the flow going is always kind of hard yeah i i would imagine too it's difficult to resist the impulse you might have of like let's have inside jokes and callbacks and like the stupid expanded lore like i listened <laughs> to a lot of podcasts and like a lot of people fall for that that trap, you know, where it's like that was the thing I was gonna say is yeah, like I I also really hate when people reference things that are physically going on in space, right? If you're listening to an audio podcast, like when you do that interruption joke with your family, <laughs> that's, that's right. I, mean, I feel like I know, we've I've, made all I've, of these inside jokes. hundred percent, I'm at fault for doing this. It. Is the episode where we're doing everything? And the last wrong. thing I could stand is the Gran Turismo series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just don't include it on any podcast. That's actually the third reason I play is hating myself. <laughs> so. uh, hey, Jonathan12 writes in and says, One part of why I enjoy playing games so much is that it's a medium that is so new and has so many possibilities. There's always new surprises and what developers can do. What are some of your favorite unique things developers have done or that only work in a video game? C-Man. <laughs> it is true. Just the concept. 100%. The concept would not work in any other format. And right? maybe people are watching Dan Reichert's uh, insane streams of Seaman, but do you want to set up what Seaman is for people that aren't familiar? Yeah, it was a Dreamcast game uh, where you basically had a microphone interface and you had an aquarium and you raised a human faced <laughs> fish from its egg to eventually it became like a little land frog. And yeah, it, it, but you would have conversations with it and it had like rudimentary uh, speech recognition and it would engage you, ask you questions and remember things. I don't know, like if I were to revisit it, how much of it was just me reading stuff into it versus. I, yeah. But it was, I remember like that was the first time I, uh, I was really into it at the time. And I remember visiting my girlfriend's parents and she lived at, they lived out of town and I was just like, if I come home and my seaman is dead, I'm going to be <laughs> oh, so angry. <laughs> Miller, Miller has a story about this where he 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 was playing seaman when we were in college and uh, he went home for, like, for the Christmas break and some friends were like still sort of in their living area and he was like, hey guys, I need you to like check in and feed my seaman or whatever <laughs> while I'm gone. And they didn't. Oh, oh my, no. They were like, whatever, this nerd. Yeah. 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 God, yeah, Dan Riker kept posting clips of his time with Seaman in the year 2022. And like, it's really weird. There's one where it's just like Seaman talking about the nature of the internet and how it might ultimately divide us mm-hmm. apart instead of bring us together and all yeah. this stuff. Where it's like, what the hell's happening? That's wild. What a wild prediction. Right? I feel like it's crazy. Hideo Kojima was always good about this stuff too. Just stuff with Metal Gear Solid where you put the controller on your arm. It's like, oh, it's going to give you a little massage. Right, or right. reading the memory card. It's all the, the famous stuff. There's also the... Game Boy game where it would read the sunlight. What was that oh, called? Boktai. Boktai. Mm-hmm. Boktai, yeah. Sun is in your hands. That's hey, a fun Boktai. idea, right? I mean, I think even apart from the technological side of things, I think one thing that games do in a unique way that like other media don't is like 
is making the player a participant in moments of like catharsis. Mm-hmm. Cause like you can read a book and be very excited about what's happening in that moment. And you can watch a movie and be very excited. But like, I try to imagine, I don't think anything else can quite convey like that moment at the end of super Metroid when Samus is just like, is totally weak, totally drained. And then the big Metroid comes in and gives her all of the, hyper beam juice yeah and then like you as a player are suddenly just invincible and you're blasting mother brain with the hyper beam and she's her head's reeling back and screaming Mm -hmm. as you are like getting that moment of yeah that like cathartic moment Mm -hmm. nothing else make like brings you into that in the way that games can do or like if you're in an area where it's just like this sucks these enemies are so difficult and it's just like this battle of attrition and then it's just like this giant cannon descends on a wire down into the battlefield and it's like press triangle to use. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Press, tri- press triangle to pay respects. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, in some ways, I guess it all ties into the big, like a hey, video games is a power fantasy or mm-hmm. whatever. But I mean, like, like to me, it's a little more than just like, I like a big swords and big guns and stuff. And like, it's those, those moments of like, Going from the underdog to having the advantage. Yeah. I think. yeah well, really even cool. small interactions can make a big deal. Like the fact that video games are interactive is a huge deal. I think of, I think it was God of War 3 where you're like pummeling, is it Zeus's mm-hmm. face? Mm-hmm. Right, right, and right. you can just keep pressing that button and the screen feels red and you're like, ah, I'm like upset at you. I want to keep like raging out. I'm and upset then- at you. <laughs> yeah. Kratos' classic line. Wait, how do you know what I was yelling at the screen? I, I just like, had a hunch. Yeah. But then you have to be the one to stop <laughs> pressing that. It's like, oh, I have to let go of my anger mm. is what they were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that made that moment cool. I, I thought that was a cool moment. Yeah. Ending of Brothers Tale of Two Sons is always my go-to yep. example without spoiling anything. Yeah, that's but a that's good always one. my yep. epiphany moment. Uh, Swell001 writes in, will you just look somewhere else? Um, they say, as someone that is a fan of both Digimon and Pokemon, I'm pretty depressed with how Bandai treats Digimon. At the first Digimon Con from this Saturday, I don't have to tell you, you were there, Cork. Uh, they had an hour-long presentation where the developers kept reiterating that they love to make more games and ports, but Bandai won't let them, since there isn't much perceived interest. Otherwise known as interest. Um, <laughs> what other game series do you wish would get more love from publishers? From from their publishers, Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon needs more love. We need more entries for sure. The the big one for me right now, anyway, is um is the Ace Attorney series from Capcom. What uh, last year they released I, that thing? I, I know they they just released games that came out years ago. Yeah, right. I mean, like that. That's one where I could go. I would love more Ace Attorney games than they than they are making. But there was a stretch there where they were, okay, you know what? I'm not going to argue that there shouldn't be more Ace Attorney games. <laughs> but they're cool. For yeah. me, it's Assassin's Creed, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Ubisoft. What are you doing? Yeah, I, I, I guess that's, well, I don't need to get into it. Yeah. Well, there's like a weird thing of thinking about just the games and the series that have been dormant for so long. And like in my mind, Metal Gear comes up, but then it's like, well, are we almost happy that Konami's kind of leaving Metal Gear alone? Is it almost a beautiful thing that is better left untouched just because it's so narrative-based? Well, they did survive, right? They so indeed that's a, did survive. That's an idea of what they would do with that series. Like, yeah, please leave it I alone. Mean, yeah. I have a long list of, like, don't get me wrong, I have a long list of things on my gaming wish list, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like games that I'd like to yeah. see. A lot of them are drums that I've beaten before, like uh valkyrie profile and valkyria chronicles and things like that right 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 right. vagrant story any v series yeah yeah uh or also um 
like what you bring up Konami, I really would like to see a a finished version of uh, Metal Gear Solid Five or like right. a re-released and like let's get that con- that missing content in there. Let's turn that tank into something you can actually use rather than being some. Ima- imagine this dream scenario, but. like. If Konami would ever sell off its properties, which I know is everybody's fantasy, just like, oh, just let Microsoft buy Silent Hill or yeah. let Castlevania be owned by Nintendo, whatever the hell. Um, what if somebody bought Metal Gear and then their first move was like, now that it's free from Konami, let's just partner with Kojima. We'll fund you. Get the team back together. Make that weird DLC chapter, whatever the hell that was, the Lord of the Flies thing. <clears throat> I think that like that's what I'd want. I would not want more Metal Gear. Like I think, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that series as being complete... I I'm 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 happy with the number of Metal Gear games that there are. I would love yeah. to like revisit uh like maybe remakes of those first two. I I'd still love to see that. Mm-hmm. Combine it into one game even. Like yeah. I think there's something really cool you could do there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd even uh, my my dumb fantasy for that is actually having them be remade in MGS1 style like polygons. Ooh, interesting. Oh, Ooh. But mm-hmm. with MGS1 style gameplay as well. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the first two games, but like, so it's almost That's like con- it's almost like continuity because, like, for the rest of the series, you see it evolve. I would like the first three games to be like PS One Metal Gear games. Yeah, my first instinct is, instinct is like, oh, that's tough to like train the team to develop in that style again. That's kind of expensive, but it's like it'd probably be a cheaper, much cheaper game mm-hmm. to make than what they do in the Fox Engine. Or do they even still use the Fox Engine? Probably not anymore, huh? I mean, I I don't know. all that text just sitting there the hell i mean I, they still use it for i think that's the pro evo they, they use it for like pachinko cutscenes. that's right yeah. that great looking Metal Gear Solid yeah. 3 thing yeah i promise you this is not like clown town joke time oh. i legitimately think that like nintendo i think does not or did not know what to do with chibi robo because i think <laughs> that it's a big like 100 yeah. serious here i think that i really like the character but i think the setting is as important like those things work together beautifully in my opinion and like the subsequent sequels were kind of like here let's just go to a garden or let's take some pictures with chibi robo because chibi right. robo is what makes the game great he's a component of it but then then like ziplash where it's just like this platforming game i want to see like crazy depth of field like really selling the idea that you're tiny like grounded does i think beautifully yeah really yeah That's a gorgeous game but in a home, I think that people have shown a tremendous appetite for like cozy games mm-hmm. and like chill vibes, which I think are very important. And have some more customization options where like as a robot, you're not just cleaning stuff up, although that's an important part of it, but like helping the family out in different ways. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. And, and again, I think that what happened is Nintendo was dazzled by this cute little robot and was right. like, he's the star of the show. Let's. Put this other weird family drama stuff that's very strange aside. We'll just his his extension cords like a like a zip line. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and it'd be stupid not to plug the idea that we have a Patreon goal right now. Mm-hmm. So if we hit twenty nine hundred supporters on Patreon over there at MinMax, we're gonna do a full let's play of Chibi Robo with Sarah Podzorski and Jeff Cork in this in this studio. We Are you can do sit it through it. Would oh, yeah. Oh, I'll be there for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. I'm looking forward to it. But that's yeah. only if we hit it. And we yeah. can hit it yeah. if people jumped into the $2 tier yeah. from listening or watching this. Is that enough? That feels... No, I'm at the $5 tier, man. Really? Hey, yeah, thanks, yeah. man. Cork was the full, first uh, Patreon supporter. 25 bucks a month. I you were the you. first one? Yeah. Wow. That's very impressive. Yeah. 25? First one to pull out. It's 20. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, okay. It's 25. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
chose my own amount. <laughs> uh, James Game Boy oh, writes mm. in and says, hey, not super gaming related, but how do you get a job that doesn't suck? Mm. <gasps> Follow oh, your heart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I, I have been thinking about this a lot lately. Yeah. Um, because I am uh, starting to look for a job again. And part of what I'm realizing is that I think people get really caught up in the idea of a dream job really easily. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that somehow it's this like magic key to happiness. If the, the tasks at your work are things that you are passionate about that you're getting paid for. And I think this ties in well to a conversation we were having earlier, which I feel like I could do a lot of really stupid or terrible jobs and still have, and still enjoy them. If I enjoy the people that I'm there doing them with. Totally. Right? Yeah. So I think the key to getting a, a dream job or whatever is maybe letting go of the idea of the specific duties or job description of that job and thinking more about the people and the environment and the impact that you want to have. Mm-hmm. At the job you're doing. Well, yeah. But I agree with you. But like, how do you do that then? Because you don't know who your coworkers are going to be until you start working there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of that has to do with knocking on uh, the like, doors ahead of time. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, a lot of it has to do with, I guess, A, not throwing away a job that you have that, like, if you're like, well, I like the people I'm with, but I don't like the work I'm doing. So I'm going to quit to get a dream job Mm -hmm. you might get that dream job and then realize that you don't like the people you work with and it's not worth it you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's That's a good good point for sure i remember too is and it's hard for us to say stuff because i feel like we've been been lucky enough to be in a position where we've had dream jobs or jobs that people look up to is like that'd be amazing yeah but part of it then i've talked to my brother because he's a struggling artist or has been for a while and um anyway the thing we've talked about a lot is just like are you comfortable where you're at are you comfortable pursuing this thing, if even if it never happens, just because you enjoy the pursuit of that? Because you enjoy making art, or say you're mm-hmm. uh, an actor or whatever. Do you enjoy acting enough where it's like it's okay? Like like you can act in like community theater, and like is that fun enough in and of itself? Whereas even if you never make a million dollars doing it, are you enjoying that? You got to be comfortable pursuing it just because you love the pursuit of it, mm-hmm. rather right. than like because. Because you will never achieve the pinnacle. Like, even if you become successful, you realize, like, oh, there's something more for me to, like, run after up higher than I realized. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I thought I was at the peak, but there's actually a higher peak. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think I have one of the best jobs in the world right now. Like, yeah. crazy, crazy lucky. Guess what? There's still a lot of days where I'm pretty bummed out. Like, yeah. don't, think, <laughs> don't think it is just, like, pass for eternal bliss here. Mm-hmm. I think for me, a lot of it kind of comes down to what stage you are in your life, right? Like when I was 17, 18, 19, I was like washing dishes in restaurants and... And that was your dream job. That was my dream job. Wow. I did not have a great imagination at that point <laughs> in my life. Something with a fork? Something with... Yeah, I like to eat. What if I clean eating food off of the surface? Uh, so those things were just kind of like... They are what they are type jobs. But then when I I was like, I want to work in the game industry in some way. I don't know how to do that. So I saw Nintendo had a job opening and I looked at it and said, you have to have a college degree. And at that point, I had dropped out of college. So Mm. that was kind of like a, well, 
I should go back to college and really give it a shot. And then from there, I've just, it's difficult to explain. And I think one of the things, like for us to look back on things, it's very easy to construct a narrative that supports how we got here. Totally. But one of the things I was very cognizant of was where I want to be and what I can do where I am to acquire skills and meet people. Not in like a gross way, I don't think, but just like, I want to, I like writing a lot. So I'm going to see if like I have jobs where I'm writing some of it. I'm not writing what I want to write, but it's experience that then I can use moving forward. And then I just have kind of tried to do that. And then there was that big, long stretch of game informer, you know, that, yeah. <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, do you all want to hear a big story? Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is bread that wrote in. Paul uh, Bunyan. <laughs> <laughs> a big story or a tall tale. <laughs> hey, MinMax crew, strange story uh, for you. Oh, is there a short version of this? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. I tried yeah. to edit it. Maybe, Ben, peek over and look at his screen. So yeah, this will be more. great. This will be great. <laughs> a few years ago, I and my family were visiting the my cousin in Japan around the Yokosuka area near the naval base. One morning, I was taking a brief walk with my mom when an old woman approached us as we were appreciating the quiet suburb we were wandering around and quickly directed us into her home. If that seems strange, imagine my surprise when we find out why. She was the mother of the sadly deceased Hyde, the lead guitarist of the Japanese heavy metal band X-Japan. And because we were wandering around her neighborhood, she thought we were fans looking for her house specifically. (laughs) What followed was 20 or so minutes of a little old Japanese lady who spoke very little English, eagerly showing us every bit of memorabilia she had of her son's career from gold records on the wall, incredibly designed guitars and display cases, and even a collection of elaborate Slipknot style masks that her son wore during some performances. Wow. At the time, I had no idea who X Japan was, so I mostly just politely nodded. But after finding out more about the history of the band and Hyde specifically, I look back on that experience as something truly special and unique. Mm. So my question here is, have you also ever made up a story? No. So my question, <laughs> my question here is, what's the most interesting experience, place, or thing you've ever stumbled into completely by chance? Huh. This house? <laughs> yeah, George, you're kicking down the door and all that. Well, okay, so like my... Mine isn't like, isn't that cool or isn't even like, it's a slightly different construction, I guess, because the the thing that happened to me that was so unexpected and uh, that still like sticks with me is when I was a, uh, I, I, I was working at a, uh, working on a community theater production of uh, Little Abner. And Little Orphan Abner? Little Orphan Abner. Yep. That's a show. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's... So what happened was one of the cast members was sick and was not able to do the show that day. Oh, no. And I had some theater experience and I was helping out on the show anyway from like a like on a like tech capacity. And because it's community theater, you don't have like understudies for townspeople role like you know it wasn't even it was a speaking role but it was a smallish part so this was one of those things where because i was there and had some experience it's like anyone who's listening who's like been a part of theater in their life knows that this is like 
a persistent anxiety dream that you can have. Right, right. Like showing up to a test unprepared or in your underwear or whatever. Mm -hmm. The idea of, oh God, I'm about to go on stage and I don't know my lines. Oh my God. Except I was actually about to go on stage and did not know my lines. So I had like the script. So fortunately, when you're working on a show, you at least... You hear, like during rehearsals and stuff, you hear it enough that... But, that, not, uh, but that like puts more pressure. I'd it, rather go in completely cold so there's zero expectation. It's like, I'm just going to read the script on stage, everybody. Yeah. I've never heard this before. So I was doing the terrifying thing of like between scenes, like flash memorizing, like... Like, I couldn't mm. even memorize the whole scenes. It was just oh. like, okay, wait for this line. And when they say this line, say this thing. And then wait for this line and say this thing. It was like cramming for a test oh in minutes. God. Wow. And we we got through it. But what you should have done is on the back of your script wrote newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> extra, extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh, that God. was, I mean, again, God, not, that's terrifying. Not as totally random, but it, like yeah, that, that's a thing that's that I got like pulled into unexpectedly that, uh, you know, it, it feels exactly like it feels oh. in your dreams when, you, oh, when you're terrified of it. Yeah. I always I think of uh, Waiting for Guffman or some of my favorite movies <laughs> when they're about to go on stage for the first time. Fred Willard is like, okay, remember everybody, if there's a pause in the show at any point, just yell at a line. Even if it's from another plate, just shout out a line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this question made me think of, um, maybe not the most exciting, but uh, we were on the Dreams cover story trip in England uh, around Guilford. And uh, JV and Elise and I were on the trip, but JV was in the hotel for some reason. And so Elise and I went to the town of Shear, which is this tiny town outside of Guilford, just to like wander around and have some beers and stuff. Um, and we were literally following, like there was just this dirt path leading out of the town. And we had a couple beers or wandering around graveyards for a while. It was a good time. We're like, let's just wander this path. I think there might've been like a dog walker on it or something. Let's just follow them. They seem to know what's going on. And so then we're just like in these rolling English hills that were beautiful. And then we came across this house and there was a plaque next to the house. Like, what is this? And the plaque said, Hyde's house. <laughs> this is Hyde's. And then the Japanese mother oh came my out. Gosh. No. And the plaque said, this is the house from the holiday, the 2006 romantic comedy. where like Kate Winslet lived or wanted to live or whatever. And both of us are like, what the hell? Like we're in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And it's like, Hey, check out this novelty house uh and i i both of us were like i think it's like an old movie we're thinking of roman holiday i mean how oh. could you even see the house through the crowds of people <laughs> yeah, exactly. it was like one cow side. yeah i see what this is <laughs> americans coming yeah. through but then like i went back and was talking to people and everyone's like oh yeah the holiday it's like a modern rom-com classic so i had to like watch it with the girl i was dating with at the time i was like oh that's cool there's that house oh, yeah, funny. There yeah, is. Look at that. Yeah. i remember it was probably my first trip to england for to visit rare but i had like a day in london itself and my hotel was across the street from some museum i was like oh i got half a day i'll go see what this kind of wander past the museum see what's in there and i was like oh hey it looks like it's free because i didn't know at the time but most of the museums are england are free so i walked in and right there in the middle of the lobby was the rosetta stone and i'm like what yeah, yeah. this is wild and Whoa. then i was like i guess i'll check out this museum and i was also like <laughs> bleary eyed and kind of tired so i got a red bull from the gift shop and like let's go and there's uh parts of the parthenon and all the stuff that mm -hmm. europe stole or england <laughs> like all the, from <laughs> all those countries around there during world war ii like there was some cool stuff in that museum yeah mm -hmm. the british museum right yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but i didn't know because i 
Didn't know how to I'll read at the time. I'll check out this so little museum. <laughs> <laughs> the British Museum. <laughs> I was like, oh, some museum. I just That's saw the stone columns. <laughs> Enormous place. <laughs> Buses stopping in front. <laughs> oh, Fine. Gym. I know it's not as cool as the house that you saw. <laughs> That's, a right. That's right. Uh, Chris Logan writes in and says, Hello, Ben and the Flashback crew. I recently learned that Mystery Science Theater 3000 is based in Minneapolis and began on a local station. Mm-hmm. Right next to the old game former office. It was right, right next door to the. I wasn't there, but Joe, were you there? No, nope, I wasn't. I wasn't but there. This either. is the Eden Prairie office. Yeah, I heard all the stories from Reiner where they would have like sets and stuff they built from the skits, like right out front of their off of the game former office. Oh, that's so like, weird. Yeah. Um, so, were any of you early fans of the show? Does a favorite episode or bit from Mystery Science Theater stick out to you? Oh yeah. I, you know, you know the right audience here. Yeah, of course <laughs> we're all fans of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. <laughs> My, f- I mean. My favorite episode, I have two, mm. is I love uh, Final Sacrifice, which is the one with, it's a Canadian movie with Rouse Dower, which is the, it's like a, he's like, he's, he's the perfect, he's supposed to be some hero, but he looks like he's just a hockey playing dude in denim. Huh. And there's this little, like, wimpy kid named Troy that he's helping out. And there's this recurring joke that goes through it about Troy being a big fan of, uh, what? I, okay, so, like, I don't actually know this guy, but Larry Zonka, who's, like, a hockey player, okay. I think. Anyway, lots of, like, lots of hilarious. I mean, you, you can't describe the hilarity of a it's impossible. theater It's episode. impossible. But there's that one, and then there's Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Mitchell's classic. Which is, uh, which is Mitchell is also the final episode that uh, of Joel Hodgson's. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So those are those are my two favorites. That was really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. God, it, this is this is not going to seem that funny, but I think it might have been the first thing I I saw was like when they made the Mystery Science, Science Theater three thousand like the movie, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. just like bundling a couple together. I remember watching that at a friend's house. And there's one joke that I don't even know if it's funny, but it slayed me at the time. So it's the first time I've ever heard of a joke like this <laughs> where, uh, it's, you know, aliens land or something and they're talking about spaceships and, and one of the guys in the movie is like, oh, these aliens could be from anywhere. They could be from Mars or Jupiter or Neptune. And then the Mystery Science Theater guys go, or Mars! <laughs> <laughs> and that just slayed me. Like, something about that structure of a joke is just so funny to me. And then it... You eventually got back to that same structure, Corey, because it really stood out to me. Not that you're ripping off this old Mr. Science <laughs> joke, but there's an issue of Game Enforcer, uh, like the parody video game magazine that you guys would do every April at Game Informer. And there was the one about the launch of the Xbox One. And it was Don Matrick, like a fake interview with Don Matrick, where he's talking about all the amazing things you can do with your Xbox One. He's like, on this thing, you can do everything. We've got it all. We've got Pinterest. We've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. We've got Pinterest. Like, <laughs> and then the punchline is like, what about the games? And he's like, games? Oh, I forgot about the game. Yeah. You know, but just the idea of listing Pinterest twice is like, that is exactly my cup of tea comedically. So thank you, Jeff Cork, for welcome. that good stuff. I can't remember the episode, but it's like, it's like a meme now, but I remember loving this episode when I was in college. It's one with Joel and this, in the episode, like this, group of teens are in like a recording studio and they're pod people pod people yeah <laughs> the whole like it stinks yeah I, but something about his delivery guy, on it just, made me just die like, 
good. He's the best. <laughs> yeah. The guy has I'm a virgin shirt on. <laughs> yeah. I, I that was gonna be my example too, pod people. Yeah. And I love there's a scene where for some reason there's a guy walking through the mountains with a gun, but they start listing off they're like looking for people like, Hey Derek, where are you at? And they start saying like, Mrs. Beasley, chief McLeod. They just start listing off all these names. And I thought it was so funny. For some <laughs> I tried to work that into a couple of episodes of replay. I know just like chief and McLeod. <laughs> but then the part that killed me the most is like, there's a little egg creature that pops out named Trumpy. It's like yeah. an alien and the hunters are trying to kill this alien, but he's really a good character. And there's a little boy that's trying to protect him. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, the hunter's going to like try to shoot the alien and the boy's trying to protect him. And then <laughs> the alien pushes him out of the way. And they've, they've been making jokes about they're at a bar for some reason. And so Trumpy pushes the boy out of the way. He's like, I'll have banana daiquiri, please. And then they <laughs> shoot him. <laughs> Even for that episode too, like it has a moment that is a clear, we'll call it an homage to close encounters of the third time or poltergeist. where like, Trumpy's using his magical powers to make things in the little boy's room yeah. move around, okay. and, like toy robots and things like that. And it's such a dumb line, but it's just like the he says, "Trumpy, you can do stupid things." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick Polk writes in and says, "Welcome to the new installment of Second Chance Jokes." Working title. We Ooh. ask people to write in to fill in jokes that we might have missed oh, on the yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. at some point. That's a good idea. Um, in episode one of the Min Max show, Kyle was talking about control and said, I think Max Payne, I think actually, I take that back. I think Alan Wake is still my favorite remedy, but I would put control second. And somebody could have joked that they thought laughter was his favorite remedy. Oh, mm. I was going to say Tylenol. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can always go back in time and re-record that first episode for you, Patrick. Uh, James Smith <laughs> says... That's right. James Smith says, Miss joke opportunity. You should have said that when you're talking about the empty Beyond Two Souls script in the Game Informer office, that that was a metaphor for how Quantic Dream games talk so much without saying anything. Mm, Ooh, that's, that's the type of joke that's a, it's a nod and scratch your beard. I, I, fe- I feel like this segment should be restricted to the previous episode. <laughs> okay, hey, whatever people want to well, I was going to say that actually would have been a better script. I think that's right. The blank pages, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Hey, we don't need a missed joke opportunity when Ben Reeves is on this show. That, that's actually really good. You know, it just, just popped into my head as a real epiphany. Um, I think the hardest I've ever laughed at something in a Game Informer video. <laughs> I, I literally, I was thinking of like just locations. I was thinking of the studio. I was thinking of this. I wasn't even a part of it, but it was Extra Life when we did karaoke. We did it for a couple years. And it was somebody paying for you and Kyle to sing Despacito. <laughs> If you've never seen this, that might have been the hardest I ever laughed. It is. It was impossible to do that. Ridiculous, oh. because they're like they got the chorus down, and then they're trying to stumble through every verse to read the Spanish so fast, <laughs> and then it's like as they were completely melted down, then they get back to Despacito, and it's just like it got more and more just strained oh. as they would just latch onto that chorus. It no is joke, the funniest I texted thing. Kyle about that like a year ago. I was really? like, remember that Despacito? <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, Alejandro Medellin writes in and says, I was watching the Bubba Wallace docuseries on Netflix and there's a moment after the terrible news incident where the entirety of the sport comes out to walk behind him in solidarity before the start of the race. This is NASCAR driver. Mm-hmm. Um, it hit me so hard that I lost it and cried through the whole thing. When's the last time you got a really emotional watching a movie or show? Oh, wow. I, d- 
I'm, okay, so like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm some big tough guy here. I uh-huh. generally no, try I, and convince us. I just generally don't like break down and and cry during things. Yeah, your dogs I, are dead. Oh, <laughs> I do, but no, I, he's not crying. But I do get those like those swells, and there are there are times when I get close. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay, um, and this is maybe a very weird example, but the most recent one for me is I was rewatching. Bo Burnham's Inside. Ooh, mm-hmm. interesting. And there's that song, White Woman's Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah, have the you comedy have you song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you think it's a comedy song right. at first because it starts out with this whole thing of like, it's basically just a send up of, have you seen this, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ben? Yeah, yeah. So it's the send up of- Viewers, listeners? Of all of the like insipid things. Hanson, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. All the insipid things Chief? that like young white, <laughs> young, <laughs> it's like an avocado, right? Oh, a dog wearing a daisy crown, making fun of all of these like insipid things that young white women are posting on Instagram, right? And you're kind of laughing along. It's sort of a one layer joke, but it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I've seen those pictures. That's funny. And then like halfway through the song, he just drops this atom bomb on it where. There's a section where he says her favorite photo of her mom. The caption says, Mama, I miss you. I miss sitting with you on the front lawn. And it go, like and that gotcha goes on. Well, because it goes on about because the things that he's been making fun of are like, oh, dumb pictures with her right, boyfriend right, right. and her painting her stupid house or her dumb apartment in overalls and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like all these things he's been making fun of her for. And then this one thing is like, basically the other side of the coin of her like sent talking to her dead mother and saying basically like i'm doing my best but i think you know like right right, i found a boyfriend i really i really love him and you know your daughter didn't do too bad right Mm -hmm. right right and then it cuts again to a bunch of insipid stuff but suddenly everything after that is colored by that moment in the song right like suddenly you're thinking you're not pointing and laughing. You're feeling like garbage for laughing for the first half of the song. Yeah. Because now you're like, oh, God, like there's a real person behind those posts. White women and, aren't awful <laughs> and like, by well, default. But also then the message Somebody of like, like, who knows what, like, who knows what everyone is like going through. And yeah, what you're putting out on social media is a facade in a lot mm-hmm. of ways and insincere. But like sometimes what's really going on is not the thing you're wanting to share with everyone. Yeah. So anyway. That got me. Interesting. I was thinking of uh, when Moana came out, Cork. Mm-hmm. I remember coming to the office because you had seen it in theaters as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I had this weird experience where I don't know why or how, but the, the song How Far I'll Go melted me and I mm-hmm. could not stop crying in Cork. Like I was in the exact same oh, camp. <laughs> Something about it, especially seeing that just in the theaters yeah. and how loud it was. Just like, why is this song just destroying yeah. me? Something that destroys me generally in in movies is like people doing their best. Right. Something about that. I think I'm generally pretty empathetic person and like something about like bad stuff's happening and then like but they're they're not giving into it. They're just right. doing the best they yeah. can. Like the end of boyhood for instance just destroyed me yeah. in the same way yeah. like 
I think of the obvious, you know, it feels cliche and it's sad that it's cliche at this point, but I think of like the story, Toy Story 3 scene mm-hmm. in the incinerator and like speaking of trying their best, like the fact that Woody is fighting so mm-hmm. hard to get out of there when everybody else had already resigned. It's like, oh my God, yeah. it's so brutal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, is this supposed to be just entertainment that's made us cry? Uh, yeah. I, was, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to make you cry either. Emotional. What? Sure. If something made you sure. feel exceptionally joyous. Well, I, I, was it Encanto? I'm trying to remember how that ended. There's something I feel like in a recent Disney movie I watched. This is going to be a good story. But <laughs> yeah. <it was> unbelievable. <laughs> well, that made me sort of cry. Yeah. But then I was like looking at my cat and I was like, he's so tiny. And like, <laughs> like thinking about how hard it would be if he was outside of my house and like had to survive in the world. Like, it's like, you're such a tiny creature. How do you survive? And like, that was like legitimately crying. I was like, are you okay? Like, it's like, what the hell? Yeah. It's like, it's so hard for like tiny people or critters, you know, tiny things. How, yeah. how wasted were you? No, not that day. Not, <laughs> not that day. Not that no, day. No, I can't no, get that <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, hey, dumb question. I feel like a lot of people who have kids say this, that like they get so much more emotional watching movies. Do you, cause I, when I think of like getting really emotional about media or like listening to music, it's like, well, that's like, you have peak emotion listening to or consuming media when you're a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. But is it, is that not the case? Cause, cause I find myself crying to movies so much more as an adult. Do oh, you think, 100%. Yeah. You, I think you just, as you get older, unless you're Joe, you get kind of softer, a little more raw. But what what is it? Is it because you've but felt you so kids. many things in life that more things can connect to real emotions you've I been through? I think that's through? probably it. You can probably identify with things in ways that are like more abstract when you're younger. Right. Well, I, and yeah, I feel like, because I, I don't have kids either, but I do feel like I connect with, you know, those Disney films that where it's the parent and child thing. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't have a kids, I, I kind of feel what the parent feels a little bit more. I'm like, Oh, that would suck. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's how I, yeah. oh. it, it's get that cat in the house. <laughs> I, it's so hard. I don't intend so this tiny. to sound like smug because like, I know for a lot of people, it's like, I don't want kids. And I think that's awesome that they recognize that they're not going to have kids more power to you. But I will say that I was shocked at how, at least personally, my relationship with media in particular stories about like dads and kids, mm-hmm. those resonated like a million times more huh. when hmm. I had kids of my own. Like I remember like the road for instance was like one of my favorite books for a long time. And then I read it after I had kids and it was just like, it, it hit significantly more than like, I loved it before, but it just so seemed a little abstract yeah. kind of. Did it, did God of War 2018 get you? Um, I thought it was really fun. I think their relationship didn't, I found it, I don't, I don't recall. You never paused about tapping your son on the back saying, hey, good job, boy. No, no, you should, you sure you're watching this? This guy's head's all bloody. (laughs) Cool relationship. (laughs) Uh, Nick from Atlanta writes in and says, hey, cool former GI people. You've all now left Game Informer. I'm sorry to tell you, Reese. Wait, what? Sorry to break this down. Um, how, how did the layoffs in 2019 affect your decision? If they hadn't happened, do you think you'd still be there? That's a very brutal question from Nick. I, to be honest, I, I don't think I would be. <laughs> well, did, you don't think you would be there? No. Oh, interesting. Because I feel like those layoffs had a direct impact on you leaving, though. More, well, yeah. more so than even us. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that was the idea. Yeah. Um, doesn't want to get out of there at that point. But I mean, I was 
I think I've talked about this. Maybe it's on like a Patreon exclusive podcast, but I was interviewing for a, to be a video producer for Wired. Like it was so like before the layoffs, like maybe two months, a month and a half before the layoffs, like a bunch of GameStop folks came around and like walked around the game from our office and all that. And I remember like it was that time that I was going through the interviews where I'm like, well, either way this goes, I'm probably out of here. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then I didn't get official confirmation uh, that they were offering me the job until like the day that I launched MinMax. Then they reached out to like, hey, get ready to fly to New York to be a video for Wired. And I was like, sorry, I'm going to sit in my basement instead, <laughs> sir. If that had yeah. come in a day earlier, do you think you'd be doing that instead? No, because I'd been, I mean, right when the layoffs happened, I started like building up MinMax and hmm. building up the studio in my basement and stuff. So like financially, I was already kind of in the tank for like I'm committed to at least trying to launch this thing mm-hmm. yeah so it was wow. a weird thing so I, I think I would have left probably either way hmm. I'd imagine that's interesting yeah I but I don't think it's a secret well to some people it probably would be but I had looked off and on throughout the 15 years that I worked there yeah uh, but around the time of the layoffs I was actually pretty comfortable I'm not really looking and then when those happened I was like mm, maybe I'll start looking a bit and I wasn't in a huge rush but I was looking for like the two years yeah until yeah. I finally got this job mm-hmm. yeah so I, I think I I don't know that's so that's a good question it's like maybe I'd still be there yeah maybe we'd be there and just always kind of it'd be nagging at us in the back of our mind like god we've been here a long time yeah. which certainly was the case you know when I was there and I was just there for nine years compared to all of you who spent decades there combined decades that's mm-hmm. right yeah do you ever think about this, Joe? Because we, you were there for like 15 years too, and Cork, we were there for like half of the lifespan of Game of Thrones. It's so mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, it 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 felt real weird to me when we hit issue. What was it? Like 260, I think. Because like my first issue was 130. Mm. So it was like suddenly it's. I've now been here for more than half the life of this. Ma- I've been here for the majority of the life of this magazine. Mm-hmm. Which felt so weird because when I first started, it's like, well, here's my first issue. And mm-hmm. there was already this huge backlog of mm-hmm. issues behind it that I was like putting on the shelf. Right. Mm-hmm. So it felt like I was just a drop in the bucket. And then one day you look back on it and it's like, I have, you know, I have a collection of every issue that uh, that I worked on. And like there are hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so crazy. So. Yeah, I don't. I, I it's 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 a weird question to think about for me in a lot of ways because I think what the layoffs did is like really instilled I think a sense of like corporate mistrust. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know that yeah. like nothing nothing changed. Well, I mean, okay, a lot a lot changed staff wise, but I mean, at, on, on some level, there was. We all, ke- I mean, Ben and I kept going for another couple of years. Like uh-huh. both, both of us were there. Uh, Cork was there. Yeah, you just left a couple of weeks before I did. Mm-hmm. So like, like we were there for a while longer. But I think it's important to contextualize that in that like, like there were the layoffs, and then six months later there was the pandemic mm-hmm. with a lot of uncertainty in the job market and all that. So there was a long time where even with this like corporate this mistrust of the corporate entity there there was still uh some it's like well uh, having this job is better than yeah than no job Mm -hmm. right like in a pandemic we're working from home i'm still working with these people i like and no matter how i 
Like, even if I'm feeling bad about this, there are people on staff who still want to be here and want to be doing this. And I want to like, if, if I can stay and help them for a while longer, right. I'm, I'm happy to do that too. You know, with that, yeah. so that's sort of what I got caught up in there after the layoffs. But I feel like if they'd never happened and it was just, you know, July, 2019, on the timeline forever going past that no one else left mm-hmm. no one like like no big changes I, I think i probably would have kept riding it out yeah and it's tough to answer this question without making it feel insulting to like the people who were there after the layoffs and stuff was like i think that i think the staff right now is incredible yeah but it oh, is yeah. just like the feeling is yeah we were just struck by a lightning bolt from gamestop and it made me mistrust all corporations and everything they could possibly say at any point like really what it is is like i i feel like for all of us that were there during the layoffs like that is that is just a traumatic event right right? Mm -hmm. and on some level there's just no building back from that again like like that that is damage that's been done that building has been hollowed out and Mm -hmm. you just need to Mm -hmm. Even because, like, now the people in charge of GameStop are different than the people who were in charge in 2019. Right. But even right. then, it's still like, uh, I don't know if I can trust mm-hmm. people in charge of this thing, even though you're <laughs> different people. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. Uh, Muffin Crumbs writes in. Good old Muffin Crumbs. Mm. Uh, they say, hey, Ben and company, uh, question for you. Oh, this one's to me. Yeah, that's right. Oh. Ben and his company. Uh, what do you think is the least pressed... This is a natural transition. <laughs> what is the least <laughs> pressed button of any video game controller mm. ever? I'm talking mainstream controller, not lesser known ones like the Atari 2600 or something. Yeah, none of those freak consoles. Mainstream, mm. modernish controller. So how back are we going? Uh, let's say NES and forward. Select. Select, select yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's be right. No. Well, there's some of those games where you use it to, I mean, balloon fight, you use it to switch between the You don't the press modes. it more than A and B or start. Yeah. I feel like there are games, though, that some some use start and some use select as, like, a menu. Yeah. That's 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 probably the right answer. I was thinking, like, GameCube Z, mm-hmm. that little, uh, little yeah. freak yeah. with I, the little dimple thing on I there. I think it's got to be... Or maybe maybe an N64 button. I was gonna say the N64, the left button. Ooh, N64 yeah. left. Ooh, N64 left. Nobody is ever very good. What would you press that for? Yeah, no one ever has. It actually, it's not it. even a real button. It's not hooked up to <laughs> it's anything. It's just fake. Yeah. Here, here's a corollary question. What do you think is the most accidentally pressed button on modern control? Mm. Sure. 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 Well, yeah. What am I doing? Here? What is this? <laughs> yeah. I think it's absolutely share. Yeah. That, that could be. I think it's every but. face button if you go between using a Switch and an Xbox controller. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most infuriating oh, thing. Oh, yeah, the, like, a, the, conf- the, the X and the Y. Conf- oh, for me, it's always like the confirm on Switch is where mm-hmm. the B button is, where the cancel button is right, on, on PlayStation yeah, right, and Xbox. Right. So that always throws me off. It could also be, I think it was the PS4, because you could set... The controller down, and sometimes they'd hit the shoulder buttons. Oh, like if you're watching right. a show, it would like start fast forwarding or something. Or the touchpad on the back of the Vita. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you're always one. pressing that button, Joe. In a way, what your hands are on it. Well, no, but like like the, any game that would actually have motion sensitivity for it. Right. Right. If, if you've got like big ham hands like I do, you're like your your fingers stray over to it. Right. Know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Freddie DeNovo says, "Howdy y'all. Does Ben Reeves still have his infamous E3 2018 shorts? <laughs> <laughs> Twenty which year? 2018. 
Uh, probably. He yeah. says, "I noticed that he left them out of his thread of game former work he's proud of, and I thought I'd, <laughs> I thought he must have made a mistake." <laughs> so this is if well, you don't recall, everybody knows about it. So I just wanted That's to right. share some lesser known works. We we streamed a podcast. Remember this, Joe? No, from yeah. E3 2018, and Ben Reyes was sitting on the couch wearing shorts that would be, uh, it would make a Barbie doll look scantily clad. Richard just, Simmons would have said, "That's a bit much." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they very four short shorts, and then. The entire chat was just obsessed with this basically magnified view of Reeves's taint throughout the entire. Hey, short episode. pride, man. Part uh, of it was the couch too, and the way it was the, the couch. Angles, it was the, the couch. Angles, but this wasn't couch. a bit. They were just short shorts. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, okay. he just okay. wore the shortest shorts. <laughs> Before he sat down, he did that theatrical thing where he just pinched the front of the shorts and like. <laughs> Popped them up a little bit before he sat down. <laughs> you don't know how hard those shorts were to find. I mean, you right. go to Target right. and you're like, these are all too long. <laughs> uh, Spencer Routine says, greetings, fellow gaming enthusiasts. Hello, that's us. Elden Ring has me smitten with a blank world map that encourages players to mark their own discoveries to return to and fully explore. I attempted to replicate this with Horizon for Forbidden West and I turned off all map icons and freed myself from question mark hell. My query, excuse me, getting emotional now <laughs> my query could open world game fatigue be remedied by simply removing all these damn icons and giving the player full autonomy a full atom full um autonomy. mechanical turk of their own adventures <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> he didn't say if he enjoyed horizon war by doing that i think yeah it's implied i think mm. i like that idea it's like mm -hmm. everybody talks about uh wrote open world design but yeah if you just stripped off the ui from horizon that's basically a breath of the wild then I feel like the problem is not the UI. Yeah. Like like open world fatigue is not too many icons. It's mm -hmm. too much space and too little of consequence to do. Mm -hmm. But you know, like I think I think if you want for me, if you if you want to fix open world fatigue for Joe specifically, yeah. you have smaller worlds that you don't need you know, to like get on your mount and ride seven minutes mm -hmm. to get to your destination. Mm -hmm. You have a world that is like, I mean, if you have a mount, that's fine, but it like just not that huge size. And then you have activities that aren't all just repeating the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I think there are lots of things like open world wise that um, I think you can criticize the Assassin's Creed games for and, and Valhalla specifically, but one of the things I love about Valhalla's open world are those little like story missions mm -hmm. that are peppered around there. Yeah. Like, each one of those is unique. They take a couple minutes each to do. Mm -hmm. They're limited to that space. So it's not like side quests that are like, oh, now go to this cave. Oh, and now run up this mountain. Oh, and now go to kill this bandit camp. It's just like, hey, I lost my cat. And then you go around the house. There's the cat. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that. Uh, it's the wrong cat. Oh, well. And then it's like story dun, over. Dun. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, XP. <laughs> so I, and so I, I think the, the issue is like variety in the mm -hmm. open world and making sure that you have enough cool things to do rewards, making sure that the players want to get the rewards for all of those different things and making sure that there's just like not bloat everywhere. It's such a tricky thing too, because like, I agree with you. I, you remember like the moment in uh, Red Dead Redemption when you're on the mount and you're going yeah to, to or from Mexico? To Mexico. Yeah. That song plays and it's like this really long journey that's exciting. I feel like I used to resist 
fast travel in open world games. And now it is just not possible. Like, I'm playing Horizon Forbidden West right now. Mm. I'm loving it. Uh, but I am just fast traveling the hell out of it because it's it would be equally unnatural to have everything follow this linear path. And I understand that. But it seems like in this, the decision was made where everything is going to be very, very far apart. Mm-hmm. And the world is constructed in such a way where you're incentivized to, like, fight those random monsters because if you knock parts off, you can then get pieces that you use to override them. And later, I mean, there's interesting loops there. Yeah. But at the same time, I just at a certain point, I'm like, I don't need to gallop across this interesting looking place for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I wonder to what degree, like, like game developers today are still chasing the fable fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Of Like that original fable from like Peter Molyneux pointing to that mountain in the background mm-hmm. and saying like, see that mountain? You can go there. Mm-hmm. And how that was like, like captured such a, such a fundamental, uh, just like desire of players to do. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like every open world game is like, you can go to all those mountains. It'll take you a few minutes to get there, mm-hmm. but you can go to all of them. And when and you get there, I don't know, you just look up and climb it, it's up a it. mountain. Yeah. yeah. Climb back down. I think you just have to have that sense of wonder, though. I think Elden Ring is really nailing it, Joe. I know you haven't jumped in there yet. I know you weren't in love with Breath of the Wild overall, even though you liked it. You liked it as a game. Yeah, thank you. Game. Yes, thank you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes. But I think that is, it's just that constant sense of, what is this game? What is this thing I'm looking yeah. at? And when that's the reward compared to XP or some other nonsense that are in there, like it just feels like, so much more of an interesting experience. See, I play yeah. a lot of open world games, though. And yeah. like people gushing about like, hey, if you see something interesting, if you go there, the chances are you're going to see something cool. Is it's Elden like, Ring people? It is. That's like the that's every open world ethos game. of every open world game. That's so you, done don't, right. you don't feel a different yeah. sense of discovery in Elden Ring compared to a lot of other open world games that you play? No, not really. Really? Yeah, I think for me, at least, I have played it for a couple hours. And okay. I, I have to stop because the frame rate is so inconsistent on PS5. Really? It, I'm a real sucker for performance mode, and I need, like, I spent too much money on this stupid console. I need right. it to run at 60 frames per second consistently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because otherwise the up and down thing just I find really nauseating. Mm. Especially, Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I, I like what Joe had to say. For once. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) No, but I think part of the problem is like people need to (laughs) make more interesting worlds. Yeah. But I think the other problem to get it back to his question, like how to remedy that is like people need to stop making every game open world. Mm -hmm. I'm, I like open worlds from time to time, but there's a lot of great games that can be made that are not open world. And sometimes people will make, well, we're making this one open world. It's like, but this would be a better game if it were, a linear campaign that you were able to construct mm-hmm. stuff like the last of us, for example, it's a great game and it doesn't need to be, it wasn't even if it started game. as a more open design, yeah. then they were like, they probably uh, were like, ah, this doesn't work. That's why we need to make it a non open world game. Yeah. Uh, no open worlds are hot again though. Elden ring has proven that if you shift your franchise into open world, it's, it's doubles the quality. Uh, Swiggity Swoo writes in and says, Hey, I don't have a question this week. I just wanted to say, since it's maybe the last time all these goons are in the same room together mm. and I have a platform mm. to address them, 
I've never agreed with Joe Juba's reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop undercutting that's all these fair, That's sentiments. fair. No, he says, thank you, all of you, so much for the content that you put out into the world. I've been reading Game Informer since I could read, and over time, coming to learn all the personalities of the editors has really meant something to me. And Ben Hansen forming MinMax after the shattering of the staff at GI is honestly a gift that I didn't expect to receive. I often find myself rewatching old Super Replays as if they are comforting and light in a world that has become all too dark. It might seem impossible that you've touched someone so definitively having never met them but in the uncertain landscape that is the human experience we often find ourselves attached to seemingly insignificant entities that's us <laughs> you guys have always been people i wished i could be friends with because the people in my life didn't understand a lot of the things that i was into and it was nice to not feel alone in the world hell i didn't mean to get so sappy but you dudes have really had a positive impact in my life and by god I needed to tell you about it thanks for the laughs i'm gonna miss hearing from dr bobby s reeves a lot wow Aww. that's oh, very thanks. sweet isn't that nice thanks, oh hell oh hell yeah well i think on that note there's only one thing we can say huh for some reason we did that back on the game for show for some reason i don't know i don't know why that became a thing um what do y'all like for question of the week a lot of good ones i wasn't listening to what you didn't tell us that we had to this time oh i liked why we play <laughs> that one. one from the article yeah, in that was a great question I like I like the one you know I think it's telling that I moved it to the top here that we opened with just about like why do the game former folks stay together in such a way mm-hmm. that's ah, a nice sentiment I think that's an appropriate one for this episode yeah, that or it, mystery science theater <laughs> that's true that's true well let's how about this one let's give it to Brian Tylek there we go thank you so much for submitting that question over on Patreon again Support us at the $2 tier. You can submit a question, and if you win, you win a great prize from my mate bit. Uh, now it's time for something, and don't you forget it. That's called Get a Load of This. Mm. What a jingle. All right, here we go. Here we go, folks. Who's got something good? Uh, mine, I'll, I'll go first. This one's this one's a little bit lighter, but it's one of those like hmm, interesting things from the industry. Hey, y'all, get a load of this. Um, we all know, uh, God, how do you pronounce his name? Vatvidya, Vatvidya, that does uh, all the From Software deep dive lore videos. He's very, very popular mm, in the From Software yeah, yeah. community and all that stuff. I was really fascinated by his video that's like a beginner's guide to Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. was on his channel and got millions of views. And then it was also officially posted on the official Bandai Namco YouTube channel. Whoa. Like, they, I, I, it must have worked out some deal. And then he left a comment on that video where he said, I was really happy to do this, as both Bandai Namco and myself are keen to help new players stick with the game. But it's, it's it's really interesting just to see a publisher be like, yeah, this somebody in the fan community has gotten to a level like we'll just probably pay him and then take his video and put it mm-hmm. on our main channel. Yeah, this is like a cool win win. But I thought that was really interesting. Huh? Yeah, weird deal. That's Very cool. cool. Uh, you got one, Cork? I do. I know that this was something that they had announced was coming, but uh, I believe it's today. Forza Horizon Five has added in its accessibility features. A picture-in-picture picture oh, of yeah. ASL or oh, BSL wow. for like I think like 150 cutscenes, and I downloaded it just to check it out. It's really cool. Hell yeah! Yeah, I will say, um, kudos for recognizing that it adds a little more like color to those moments. Um, I still think that like you know how the radio stations they always talk about you as the person in the world and all the Hello, amazing things Jeff. you're doing. Yeah, yeah. The the DJs those are not. Subtitled, which I feel oh. is a real miss because oh, I think that, like people who need subtitles are missing out on a big like back padding 
stuff that's happening in that world. But I think the little picture in picture, you could choose what corner it goes in. Ooh, you that's could have fun. a background or not. They, they really did a great job. I want to turn my car into that. Can I put it just in the middle of the screen directly over the car and it looks like the person signing is like going off jumps and cool stuff? Yeah, that's uh, required. That's required. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That sounds great. That <laughs> I should have led great. with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe, you got some? Yeah, I do. Uh, this seems like the kind of thing that probably made the rounds on Reddit a long time ago or whatever, but a friend of mine recently pointed out to me that... Uh, so do you guys know where the name... Like how nachos got their name? No. Mm-mm. So nachos got their name from a guy... The guy who invented them in like the 1940s named Ignacio. Okay. El Nacho. That's how, that's, that's where it came from. But coincidentally, cheesy guy. Coincidentally, if you look at like nacho cheeses, like mm-hmm. Velveeta and stuff, the, the chemical ingredient in those cheeses that makes them, in nacho cheeses that makes them all smooth and silky. Okay is sodium citrate and if you this make, is leading to chemtrails talk isn't it nope okay. if you make sodium like sodium citrate it's like chemical formula oh no n a oh no c uh-huh h o it's like breaking bad nacho is that a coincidence yes Wow. Because I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's why it's called nacho cheese. It mm-hmm. must be. Because like, that's <laughs> For all what the dorks out, out there? Yeah. No. It's, it was called nacho. It's called nachos because mm-hmm. of this that's guy. That's weird. That's weird. But We're coincidentally, up. there you go. I was thinking about cheese this morning, too. And I learned that cheese whiz is used as kind of a punchline for idiotic American indulgence. And it's oh, just yeah, this yeah. stupid thing. Invented in England. Yeah, <laughs> take that, England. There you go. What about easy cheese? Do we get easy cheese? Uh, probably Canadian. Oh, easy we're cheese. Victimless. <laughs> victimless. <laughs> Nothing yeah, wrong with everyone. <laughs> we only do good things. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we got Reeves. Yeah, I've gotten into. Well, first of all, I could get used to this. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's yeah, how it works. That's how the segment works. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I've really gotten into. I call them vegan stunt videos, where it's like people trying to make things. But make them vegan. <laughs> like you can make bacon out of banana peels. This is a video oh, watch. Fun. Or you can make like a ham out of a watermelon or ribs out of mushrooms. But anyway. Is this just like cosmetically it looks like these things or you can actually eat No, them? they're trying to simulate the actual like taste oh, okay. Interesting. Of, of these things. And so there's one that I've been excited to try and haven't tried it yet, but I'm I'll probably gonna do it. Where they made hot dogs. This is from Merle O'Neill at Goodful on YouTube. They made hot dogs out of carrots. So they peeled carrots and boiled them in some stuff to make them taste like hot dogs and then put them on a bun. Huh. You seem excited. That seems all right. Look, I'd try it. I, I love the concept of like, this isn't just, these aren't vegan recipes. These are like, this is extreme yeah, vegan cooking. Six stunts. Yeah. For, yeah. for <laughs> vegan stuff. Yeah. Uh, I assume everybody saw this. This made the rounds. But thank you, Kyle Les, for posting it in the MinMax Community Discord. Uh, Joe, did you see that clip of Robert Pattinson? When he's supposed to be doing an interview talking oh, about the Batman. T- Tifa and, and he just yeah. talks about Tifa and Eris for <laughs> two minutes and how it was like this pivotal moment in his life of having to choose between what? them. No. This is oh, amazing. you got to check it out, Reeves. It's it's really huh. fantastic. If you didn't love Robert Pattinson enough, this will put everybody over the edge. Now, finally, people are going to go see that Batman film. Which is funny, though, because... Knight? That's right. Choosing between Tifa and Eris is like really 
not surfaced in Final Fantasy it's like the, at yeah, all. There's some numbers under the hood for the one date at the Gold Saucer. Yeah, yeah it's way... But emotionally, Joe... Okay, okay, you know, I get it. You gotta choose. Yeah. And for example, when it comes to the two of them, you are a... Oh, Tifa all the way. Yeah. Same here. It's yeah. the only correct yeah. choice. Sorry, Earth. Gotta go. Bear it. Uh, that's right. That's also an option. Uh, also, speaking of Batman, uh, we're gonna be hopefully recording a Max Spoilers for the Batman. Um, so that'll be up on our YouTube channel soon. You can look forward to that. And Brian Vore will be on that one. Nice. And Ross Fund. Um, all right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we have more stuff. What's what's going on, Cork? You're so loud. Let's <laughs> 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 uh, uh, <laughs> see. We got other stuff. Um, Party Chat, our Patreon exclusive podcast, which you can unlock at the $5 tier on Patreon. Uh, it's a very fun group discussion every single week. Uh, this week, we had Sarah and Janet on, along with myself and the MinMax community, talking about the big reveal of Pokemon scarlet and violet so if you're wondering mm. what we think of that you can check that out in the patreon exclusive podcast and also help support us at the same time uh jeffum's also on there talking about his experience with elden ring spoiler he likes it uh and speaking of elden ring we're gonna be posting a bonus video which is not a deepest dive but it's gonna kind of feel a little bit like a deepest dive uh later this week on our youtube channel with uh my full thoughts on the big elden ring experience along with some friends so look forward to that on our youtube channel and the podcast version will be in the patreon exclusive mm-hmm. podcast feed Yes, Cork? Do you know what friends they are? I'd argue it's a best friend named Ronnie. Yes. And a certain star of Hitman 3 named Grant, who are big From Software fans. Ah, and so we'll be talking about it with them. Let's look forward to one. that. You were hoping it was you, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody but me. All right. Well, hey, that's it. Ben Reeves. Hey. Thanks for swinging by, dude. Um, what, um, this is a fun thing to question on air. What's uh, what's the official wording for how much you can appear on podcasts uh, in the future? Do you have any? I idea? don't actually have the official wording on that, okay, but great. it is a thing I'll ask them. So mm-hmm. if I can do it, I would love to be on again. Yeah. Well, that'd be great. We'd love to be back for extra life, something like that. But yeah. we understand the corporate world is a wild place, and uh, we wish you luck, dude. Yeah, we're all proud Thanks. of you. Thanks. Yeah. If nothing else, uh, I don't know. Maybe you can interview me for like what the, what what make the? a game. What? <laughs> You would like to talk to me again. <laughs> Do a developer interview with... I see, Mer- I see. Narrative this is how most developers Reeves. pitch it. Is, yeah. Hey, how about you interview me? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I'm about to make some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think a, That's how they do it at E3 and stuff. Yep. Just just developers handing out, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Miyamoto just on the side, like, come on. <laughs> come over here. Uh, I think it can all be summed up by... Uh, there was a comment on the last episode of the Game Informer show that made me laugh where somebody just commented... Uh, they said, good luck on video games, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this commenter speaks for all of us. Yeah, yeah. we'll do it. Good yeah. luck yeah. on video games. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, hey, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for watching or listening. We do have a segment called Game Champions. Where... You can choose any game under the sun and become the official champion of that game. We have a whole Mm. new batch uh, in March, so you can still jump in there at the $50 tier if you want to choose any game under the sun. We'll list you as the official champion, tweet it all out. Um, For example, we have people like Steve B. He chose Jack 2. PrettyGoodPrinting.com chose Ultima Online. Dominic Sachoki, Joe, you'll like this, chose Xenosaga Episode 1, of course, as the game he wants to be the official champion of. And I thought it'd be only right, Reeves, to make you an honorary game champion oh. for free. So you're officially on the board, dude, with Panzer Dragoon Saga. Oh, nice. whether you want to be or not. Yeah. I know. No, that's you know, a great choice. Is that your favorite game? 
It's a game that I've said at times is my favorite game. There it is. Yeah, You're officially the game champion. Woo-hoo. Congratulations, dude. Now you have an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you all for being here. And we'll see you next time with a new episode of the Min Max Show podcast. Until then, be good. Have fun. Let's go. Bye. Bye.